two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step back on the cold. Problems. Mm. Tell us the fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, the C-O-Double-M-O-N. for fresh truth is the Broncos country. Let Let's ride. ride. Second mouse. Let's ride. Let's ride. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Um, fantasy this, football edition. This week is our fantasy football podcast where we are going to break down every position and sleepers. We're going to talk about busts. We're going to talk about who's going to overperform, who's going to underperform. All of this will be the primer to your success in your fantasy football league. But first, we have an opening in our fantasy football league. So if there are any listeners out there who want to get in a league where you will be shamed and humiliated, and basically your feelings are going to be all of a better help counselor's wet dream, then you should join this league. If you want to join the Our Fantasy Football League, message us either through Instagram, Twitter, or send us an email at secondmousepodcast at gmail.com, and we will send you a link to get in and prepare your body. Yeah, and really the only prerequisite is that you're able to sign your name on a bunch of waivers because there will be waivers. So we, we're we not doing the urine sample this year or does the person who finished in last place have to collect that this year? You do have to provide your social security number, that's for sure. Um, I've confirmed with Paul Zarati. Um, it is in fact naming rights will be uh, given to or bestowed upon the champion of our league. <laughs> Can we name his, his child second- blockchain? <laughs> I see no reason why not. Oh god. I wonder if there's any blockchains out there. Hold on, I'm going to do a quick crime report or police report from Florida and see if there's any people named blockchain. They're definitely from Florida if yeah. they are. It's got to be the Panhandle too cuz they would not be yeah. anywhere else either there or inland too. Have we checked on the name of Elon Musk new kid? It might be blockchain for all we know. Hmm. Uh, Elon Musk's picture comes up when I search this. <laughs> 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 oh, Do it. Do it. it. Yeah. Okay. All right. But first, what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to talk about what your strategy is as a fantasy GM. What do you look for? What is your game plan going into a fantasy draft? And I will say, Fantasy sports, but fantasy football in general is the Mike Tyson adage. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. And I feel like after round three, correct me if I'm wrong, but something happens where your entire strategy, your game plan gets fucked up. So let's delve into your brains and figure out what is your mindset when you're walking into a draft. Gatto, let's start with you. Where are you emotionally and spiritually when you go into a draft? Are you drinking heavily? 
usually somewhat uh, inebriated <laughs> to be completely honest um, my best teams have been when i was drunk so <laughs> you know yeah because like i think it, it it takes away some of the overthinking that a lot of people have and for that reason what i tend to do prior to drafting about two three weeks out i start um i start running a couple mock drafts and i just want to get different positions on on the uh, the snake and see what what comes out of it, right? And you you'll get a ranking, you'll get a grade out of it, which you can or cannot agree with. A lot of times, I disagree with what like Yahoo tells me. Like, Yahoo does a, Yahoo does a lot of good things. Their draft grades are shit. Yeah, they they sometimes really uh, miss the bigger picture with it because I think it's they relatively go off of like points and and that's really just how they justify it, but. Um, yeah, I try to take a variety of mock drafts from different positions on the draft and, uh, God, are you a, uh, wait on quarterback type of guy or do you typically go for a quarterback early? I am a running back first, almost always, uh, just because the main workhorse is there. Um, you, you really can't miss out on them. You, you gotta get in there. You gotta get one. And receivers are always a mixed bag. I mean, sometimes if, if like the right receivers like in the top rank and and you've already lost that that elite tier one uh, running back option, yeah, go with the receiver. But then it's back to back running backs for me. That's just yeah. typically how I run. No, it's 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 a it is a traditional like method that has been tried and true. You know what I I found is like because I'm a wait on quarterback type of guy. I'm not the type of person who's going to draft a quarterback in the first three or four rounds of. Especially like if we're talking about a standard PPR league, one quarterback, super flex leagues are different. Obviously, I, I will go for a quarterback early. Uh, but I, I I mean I've had pretty good luck. Like two years ago, I got Josh Allen in the ninth round, and that was the year that he exploded. So you can typically find quarterbacks later. For me though, the one thing that I always stress to everybody, get an elite tight end. Always get an elite tight yes. end. Yeah, yeah. Round two, like for me, if like a Mark Andrews or or Travis Kelsey, really the only two elite guys that are out there, get one of those guys because if you can get a tight end that's consistently going getting you fifteen points. Wide receivers for me, they're dime a dozen. I mean, mm -hmm. like you can find them really anywhere. So running backs are hard, but you can, if you're playing in a PPR league, I mean, we'll talk about the commanders, the commies later. Um, JD McKissick is a guy who's going to get probably seven or eight targets a game. So you can find those running backs later that will get you some, you know, points per game, just getting a couple dump off passes. So for me, always find an elite tight end. Yeah, I think that's one of the areas that I have personally struggled with over the last couple of years is that's always just a, a real soft spot for my teams. Like his traditionally, like the guys that I'll draft, I'll, I'll miss the boat on a couple of them. And it's a really narrow window too to get somebody who's going to impress every week. So you end up getting caught with guys with like four catches for 35 yards, no touchdowns. And I mean, cool, three and a half points that's great and all, but it's hell know, It's getting hell that one have, touchdown yeah. a week from them is golden. If you look at the numbers for tight ends, like it's the first two guys and then it's like huge drop off. And then mm -hmm. the rest of the guys, I mean, I think a big part of this is that if we're, we're talking about in terms of strategy, this is 
the fact that there's a scarcity of uh, the top tier tight ends, right? And so if you're not getting someone in that top five that's performing like that, you're you're going to struggle at that position all year. It's going to be a roster spot that's gonna that's going to wreak havoc on your waste of time yeah it's a waste of and because then like where do you take a tight end because like do you reach for a guy in the seventh or eighth round or do you just wait until the 14th round is around and then take one of those guys that maybe like is is a flyer so it's uh and you're you're dropping and adding somebody every week to just compensate like exactly you you throw up the projection and and it's funny because i think like for a while we had a handful of just solid, consistent quarterbacks. But now there's a little bit of movement with the quarterbacks because there's a lot more names in uh, in the hat now for uh, high-performing quarterbacks that we just didn't have in years past, you know? That's why, every, like, this year, Aaron year. Rodgers has taken a big hit, oh, right? So Yahoo has him as quarterback 12 right now. Do they think he's going to like die because Devontae Adams is gone? By the way, games that Devontae Adams has been missing, so any games that he was gone, he had 19 touchdowns and one interception in those uh, games. Um, I, I, I just think that like analysts fear that he's getting too heavy into the cosplay. And that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, his whole uh, Con Air bit. I, yeah. I, I would be curious too if like his previous years and his previous. Um, ratings are finally catching up to him in the sense that he was rated so high for so long and missed a lot of time each year. And now he's just older. He's got less weapons there. And my personal opinion, he seems less committed now and more so just bitching and moaning to the barstool guys. I I wonder if like, you know, all the issues they had last season and with like, is he going to hold out? You know, he doesn't play if that's playing into it, but so this is my take on this. Jordy Nelson was not exactly a, a top 10 pick. Neither was Randall Cobb. And Devontae Adams himself was a second-round draft pick. I know we look at, like, Alan Lazard, and you're like, who the hell is that guy? He's going to be a stud this year. Might end up becoming a, a wide receiver one this year just because of playing with Rodgers. Rodgers has a history of making wide receivers, so I'm not I'm not too concerned. And plus, the that run game alone with Aaron Jones and uh, AJ Dillon is going to be just good enough that they won't really need, um, they won't need him to be the MVP. So they're going to be, they're going to win 13, 14 games and be in the playoffs and then probably lose to like some scrub team. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help that the NFC North is just dog shit, but at the same time though, like, I'm reading an article from NBC where they're ranking quarterbacks and they have Aaron Rodgers at 12 as well. And they're talking about Sammy Watkins being like a decision maker. I'm like, let's fucking pump the brakes <laughs> on that one. Guys. I was actually just going to bring up Sammy Watkins when you said that. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not buying the Sammy Watkins stock uh, that they may, it's not 2013 anymore. It's not 2014 anymore. No, I mean, I'm interested in Christian Watson, but I'm not, I'm you not fully killed on any of them. He he just came honest. off a pup list, so you gotta be careful with him. I think Lazard is really the only one that has the like immediate value. Is is but, Randall uh, Cobb still there? I believe so. Oh god. Him and him and Sam Watkins are just like to me, the Packers, like it I'm not I'm probably not gonna draft really any of these guys. I'm just gonna wait and see if one of those guys ends ends up hitting and is on the, the waiver wire and and hope for the best because it's just too much risk and where they're probably gonna go. I will say 
Um, who is the tight end for Green Bay? Tanyan. He just came off of PUP as well. Okay. Yeah. So they're a little dinged up, but they might sort their shit out um, into the season. Ten and- touch, ten touchdowns two years ago. So he's a guy that you're probably going to get off the waiver wire or in the last few rounds. We're, talk- we're just talking about tight ends that could end up having some – he's going to be touchdown dependent. He's not a – He's not a burner or anything. He's not Travis Kelsey, but uh, you know, he he could end up having a, you know, eight to ten touchdowns and getting in the, the, the you know, fantasy football, it's always about what opportunities and consistency, right? So mm-hmm. he's gonna have he had the consistency when he was healthy towards ACL. It's not his fault. And then the opportunities. Well, is it a high volume scoring offense? I'm always willing to take guys from high volume scoring offenses. And, and that's I think that's another big thing that goes into my uh decision making. Right. Is, um, you know, where where the attention is going to be. Right. Is this a team that's mostly a pass uh, pass offense, pass or rush offense? Um, And then also things like, um, you know, strength of schedule. You know, um, that's that's a huge one, especially this year, because you can see a big boost in value for teams like um, the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. Because they have one of the easier schedules on top of having a great draft year, having a lot of pieces fall into place for them. Yeah. Um, they should be putting up numbers. Eagles and and Eagles and giants, by the way, have the easiest schedules in the NFL. Yeah. So I didn't want to get too far afield here because now we're starting to talk about players, but I want to go to UQ. What is your approach when it comes to, um, walking into a draft? Um, are you heavily, yeah inebriated yes absolutely good for Um, you (laughs) no i so for me it's all about where i'm end up picking so i have strategies for wherever i end up picking a lot of times it's automated um i do have a keeper league that it's based on your standings from last year so i already kind of know where i'm picking in that situation by the way picking last because i'm fucking one um fucking winner <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking winner um no but it's, so it's all it's all based upon where i'm picking because i have to kind of get an idea of who is going to be in that range uh but again like i said for me it's about usually about getting a running back first because like you, especially if you're picking in the top there's there's a huge drop off after like running back four or five and it's a significant. So you don't want to end up just taking a guy for no, you know, just because he's a running back. But typically, those guys in the first round are consistent enough to carry you. I had uh, Mixon last year as my running back one. He was great, uh, consistent, kept me, you know, kept me, and again, good scoring opportunities. So for me, it's always attacking that, but it's about finding value late. So. I thrive off of late round picks because mm-hmm. those are the type of guys that you typically are taking rookies. Um, you're typically taking skill position players and the beauty of like wide receivers over the last few years, they are so plentiful when it comes to rookies that I typically will try and get my running backs and tight ends and all that early and then try and hit on some late round guys like uh, Jay Chase. I got him in round six last year. Oh, that's um, good. And it was a keeper league. So, I mean, like you, you go for, rookies early because you're typically trying to get um you know that type of value but uh he was wide receiver five last year so you think about getting a guy that late um and hitting on him so yeah so typically it's it's all based upon draft position but uh ultimately knowing like what positions to wait on um 
but it, you know, so it all depends on those grouping of players. You got to kind of know. Yeah. Sometimes there's just like, I feel like there's some dead zones, like after the, the seven, seven eight, nine. Yeah. yeah man. And, and a lot of times that's where your team, that's where you're going to make or break it because yep. it's very middle of the pack. And a lot of players come off like very oatmeal, blah, bland. You're just, I don't know what to fucking do with them. You know what I mean? Um, and and then you start wandering and then it fucks up everything in my opinion. Yeah. Cause you know why you wander too long. And then all of a sudden the runs start and you're like, fuck, I miss, I should have just yep. always try and lead the runs too. So like, I don't mind drafting a guy a little bit earlier than I would take him. If it means that I, if I, if I have a feeling that a guy is going to have a strong season, I don't mind taking him a little ahead of where the ADP would be. So Tom, uh, what do you do? Uh, leading up to a draft, what do you do for your draft? How do you prepare? What do you What are you thinking about? What's going on in your mind? That fucking maniac mind of yours. I call my mother, <laughs> tell her I love her, and eat a shit ton of spaghetti, and then barf it all up in the corner of my office. Nice. And then this we tracks. I've seen the stains. I've seen the red pasta stains in the corner. Of <laughs> when the when so, the house is new, the house is new. This is lies. <laughs> so so for context, when Gato and I came over to North Carolina to visit Tom, um, he said, "This is my puke corner. Don't go near it. It's my fucking puke corner. You got to find your own puke corner." I was like, yes, "Dude, do you exactly want a bucket that. for your puke corner? No, just the corner. That's it. Yep, just the corner. No. So I think for me." For a long time, I tried to find like boom players, guys that were like true sleepers, draft them early and expecting that they were going to just go off. And what ended up happening is I would just have full teams of like boomer bust players. Like I'd drop like 155 points one week and then 62 the next. And yeah. I think over the last couple of years, my real focus has just been finding consistency and finding guys that are going to put up consistent numbers every year. And in some cases, you know, there are those sleeper picks and those super sleeper picks, but very often you need to look at those and with the most critical lens out there in the sense that a lot of those are like thought pieces that are written by, you know, fantasy draft experts that are trying to like get clicks and shit like that. When in, they're, these guys are not going to work out and you're going to draft somebody thinking like, Oh, this person's going to have like 1500 yards catching and they have like 850. So I think the other component of that too is seeing who is healthy through the preseason and making sure that you're drafting a team of healthy players. And if the guy that you pick up on your team, who's going to be out for a couple of weeks is going to be a guaranteed star. Like he's going to be somebody that's going to be like wide receiver sense, like 11 catches, 115 yards, 120 yards and a touchdown every week. Like a Michael Thomas, you don't want to like hold on to a guy. It's going to be a Jamison Crowder, which is like, cool. Thanks. So I think for me, it's focusing a lot of on consistency and leaning closer towards the younger players, but they're in like that third or fourth year arc where it's not like you're drafting guys that are in year 30 or 31 where, oh, they've done this for six or seven years. Okay, well, now Julio Jones has 500 yards. Explain yourself. <laughs> will, yeah. will, will an injury, like, was this a question for both of you? Will an injury, like, question make, because, like, the, the big conversation right now is pick one or two, right? So it's McCaffrey and it's Taylor. 
I'm going Jonathan Taylor. I don't touch Christian McCaffrey. I knew when he drafted, he was going to be a perpetual sore ankle for his entire career. Well, that's the, that's the question, right? Because I think we can all agree that McCaffrey is a better fantasy player when health is not a matter, right? So McCaffrey gets over 115 targets every year in the passing game. So he's just so valuable. But can you rely on him two years in a row now? I am going to actually play a little devil's advocate on this one, though, Mm -hmm. because as much as I am a big proponent of like, you know, what's what's the injury status, what's the health status of a player, you know, and and certain uh, injuries will keep me away from a player at least a season before I'll think about going back to them like J.K. Dobbins might might come back and do great but like i'm not touching him with a 10 foot pole um depends on where he's dra- where he's going though that's, that's if, true if he's like if he's sitting his his adp is kind of like around the fifth or sixth round i'm probably not loving that and well you know the way i look at it too is like someone else can take that risk right like yeah and and if they take that risk i get an opportunity to take someone better you know yeah. um the thing, the thing with jo- the the question that was posed of like Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey, um, I also have to then think about in respects to what have they upgraded in this off season, right? So, uh, I see Matt Ryan as a huge boost uh, quarterback wise, and I think that their receiving core is a little bit better. Um, I, I see there might be a little bit of takeaway from John, Jonathan Taylor's workload. And I think, Hey, if you're, if you know, you're playing the Colts, he's your number one threat, right? So defenses are going to be preparing for him a lot more where last year during what was his breakout, um, you know, teams, teams were preparing for him, but I think it took till like week eight before they really started focusing on him like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I look. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that Jonathan Taylor isn't worth the number one pick. He, oh, he, he clear, is. clearly is. Um, I think I what I worry about a little bit with him is going to be uh, potential regression, yeah. right? Because he scored a lot of touchdowns last year. Um, can he match that number? And that's like the biggest thing. So where McCaffrey, like, I mean, the, the McCaffrey, you don't. He doesn't have to score a single touchdown, and he will be running back five just because of like what he contributes in the passing game and like Taylor does too. So, I mean, I'm not really concerned about that, but like all things being equal, right. Can is, is he a better player than McCaffrey? I mean, he had 18 rushing touchdowns last year. He had two receiving touchdowns. I mean, that's like Sean Alexander in 20, what 20 what was it? 20, 2009 or whatever it was. Um, huge numbers. 2007. That's when he was on seven. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about 332 carries last year. My biggest concern with Jonathan Taylor is running back one from the previous last few years has not repeated the following years, like the last five years. So, I mean, David Johnson burned me a couple years ago. I took him in three leagues because I ended up getting high picks. Le'Veon Bell was one of the guys who was probably the most consistent over those last few years. So the question is, can he um repeat what he did this year and history shows that most likely he will not so i think that's my biggest concern but again don't be stupid just take jonathan taylor yeah so um again trying to bring us back before we start talking about players 
Um, well, let's get into players. Cause, yeah, uh, I mean, we can get into players I have, now. I have some controversial rankings at wide receiver and tight end. Okay. Maybe so, a little bit controversial at tight end, but definitely a wide receiver. So I think it's fair to say that the three of us are in agreement. The, the most important position in a fantasy football draft right now is running back, correct? 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's go ahead and start with running backs. Sure. Um, since- wait, wait. Real quick. So, because <laughs> now I kind of want to know um, if we're saying running backs are are the most important position to draft. What's the next most position to uh, most important position to draft? Is that going to be tight end, quarterback, receiver? It, I guess it depends. Kicker? I guess it depends on the value you're you're asserting to it. Uh, to me, it's scarcity. So scarcity. scarcity is like the biggest thing for me. Running back. I mean how many great running backs are there in the league? And like, you know, because of injuries and all that, I would say, you know, and by the way, running backs and tight ends are the most injured uh, positions in the NFL consistently year to year. So yeah, running backs and tight ends are the most important to me. Quarterbacks. Like, I mean, you know, we saw Jalen hurts was a top 10 quarterback last year. He was dog shit. You can be Um, asked and still throw 24 touchdowns. Trey Trey Lance may not make it look pretty this year, but he has a chance to easily be a top 10 quarterback in fantasy. So um, all right, so yeah, let's start with running back. I think I, we're all in agreement here. Number one is going to be we, we'll do like a top five, and yeah, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, number one. Anybody I have think anything different? I think that's fair to say. I mean, on the surface, right now, he is probably outside of Derrick Henry coming back and blowing the doors off the place. He's probably the most dominant running back right now. And and that's the funny thing. I saw a ranking that actually put Derrick Henry ahead of Jonathan Taylor. And I think much of that has to do with the regression fear that people expect. And yeah. the fact that Tennessee has nothing else to count on besides their running game. Well, so Derrick Henry is my running back too, guys. You piece over of Christian, shit. Over Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> and I, will, I will say though, why aren't any, why isn't anybody talking about Nick Chubb though? Uh, good question. It's the Kareem Hunt factor. Yeah, but it's, he was uh, hurt all of last year and didn't do shit when he came back. So, uh, Q, who did you say has burned you? Oh, it was Antonio Gibson. <sighs> Nick Chubb yeah. has been my Antonio Gibson in so many years because those are the years that I expect him to do good, and I draft him, and he ends up getting injured, or he's just – he doesn't do it. Like So so for me, with, with uh, Nick Chubb, I worry a little bit of number one, if Watson's suspended, right? Like you're going to have a year of uh, Jacoby Brissett and it's just not as valuable. Nick Chubb might be the best pure runner mm-hmm. in the league, but Kareem Hunt now Kareem Hunt apparently has requested a trade. And if they get him out of there, I think Nick Chubb could be poised for, and if Watson ends up playing, then you're talking about a huge season for him. Yeah. Uh, but I, again, also he's, you know, he had that devastating injury at Georgia he kind of got injured last year. I just worry a little bit about Nick Chubb. But, yeah, no, he's always going to be the But So I have Henry at number two. Um, because I think we're all in agreement about Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Top five run game, Tennessee. A.J. Brown, gone. Julio Jones, gone. Rookie receivers. Um, he was RB22 last year. He didn't play. He played half the season. And he still was RB22. So he was on pace for a historic season. He came back for that playoff game. So he's clearly healthy. 
I'm not worried about him. And I McCaffrey's three for me because I think he's just I, I just worry with those injuries. He just two years in a row. I McCaffrey would be number one if he was healthy, but I just I just never know with him. So what about you guys? Do you have two? Who do you guys have two? McCaffrey, anybody else? Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you are. Like I have no faith in or confidence in Christian McCaffrey coming back and being the dominant player that everyone assumes he's gonna be solely because I mean, I just felt like he was kind of that guy in college and at Stanford. Like he's gonna blow the doors off of college places and then he's gonna have a couple of good years in the NFL and then he's gonna be a guy who's perpetually injured and he's gonna have like you know, he's had a sore ankle or a bad back. And then those things are just going to continue throughout seasons where it basically renders him ineffective. I am, um, I'm a little bullish on a couple of guys. One of them is Najee Harris from Pittsburgh. I think that they just, whichever quarterback is going to start there. I don't think that guy, I don't think whether it's little hands, Kenny, um, (laughs) um, cocaine Mitch or um, Mason with a dented head. I don't think any of them are going to scare anybody in terms of offensive prowess. I'm curious though. There's a couple other names. Like I am curious about what JK Dobbins is going to be like though. Um, Because, you know, he was a dominant runner at Ohio state blew out his knee last year. My only concern is because they had so many running backs hurt last year do now we have the three stooges syndrome where everybody is getting chances and nobody's getting points. So just a comment on Najee, our running back three last year in PPR. So he's a workhorse. I don't care about who the quarterback is there either. He's going to get so much volume. It won't matter regarding Dobbins. He had, he injured himself in the preseason. Yeah. So that's the best case scenario because he's been sitting on the shelf. Now he, he was on pup list for a while, so he doesn't look, he's, 100% healthy. He just came off of it, so he's going to start practicing. So there is some concern, but I'm I'm I don't know. I'm not as concerned with him as well, other guys. Mm-hmm. All indications um from current reports are saying that uh Dobbins is likely he's looking good. He's so there there's a lot of optimism coming from the team right now about mm-hmm. where he is. So there there's a lot of speculation by like week six, he might be back to full, uh, you know, full force. Yeah. So, and, and that's a good time because things finally start falling into place. You start getting a good understanding of where your teams lie and he could be an easy pickup or a nice trade. So for, someone for low he, value, he could be your running back three or four on your team based upon where he's getting drafted. And he could end up becoming in the playoffs, your number two guy. Two. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, weekly, yeah, I mean, weekly, weekly flex getting you 15 to 20 points and number, what are they? The number one, number two rushing offense most mm-hmm. years right uh, behind the Eagles. Yeah. I think this year, uh, at least rush wise, uh, they have. Remember Lamar was out. Yeah. Games the, the, Ra- the Ravens are r- ranked as like the seventh, uh, best rushing team this year. Um, and they also yeah. have the 11th best or the, the ninth best uh, run block. So, yeah. you know, this is a solid core. Yeah. For, for a run. Also I another s- team I have high as a, as a team that I think is going to be very successful this year. I will say yeah. too, I think that is another thing that plays in Dobbins favor in the sense that if he is the guy who's there's two things, one, if he's going to start like being fully hundred percent healthy by week six, 
mm-hmm. we've seen those dominant fantasy running backs like really turn it on at the end of the year. Like yeah. you don't want a guy who's going to blow the doors off of it week one and week two and then be quiet after that. You want somebody who's getting progressively stronger week in and week out because you're going to need that person for that week 15, week 16, week 17 push. Oh, God, we have fucking week 18 now. Um, <laughs> but also, too, the fact that you have Lamar on that team really takes a lot of pressure off of him from the running game perspective because ultimately teams are not going to know until the ball is in that individual's hands, they're not going to know where it's going to go. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. It's a lot of threat there. Um, while we're over there in uh, the AFC, there, um, another uh, another player, another one of my top five that I'm I'm looking for is Joe Mixon. I, I see him still being solid, and I think they're going to rely on him even more this year than they did last year. Um, not that many, not that any pieces have really changed. They've done a little bit to shore up their offensive line, but I think um, they're going to need to go to the ground more this season. Um, it's just a feeling I have more than anything, but I, I'd like to say that Joe Mixon's going to still see a lion's share, and they're going to, uh, he's going to have a great season. Well, so, Samaje P. Ryan is still on that fucking team. <laughs> and as long as he draws breath, he is dead to me. <laughs> running back, running back four last year, Joe Mixon. Um, not in my top five, shockingly, because I actually am worried about uh Perrine and Chris Evans taking a little bit of work. But the biggest thing that worries me about Joe Mixon is injuries. He's had him in the past. He was pretty good last year, though. Uh it's the passing game. They're just they're going to throw the ball so much uh, with Tyler Boyd and Jim Chase and and uh, Higgins that I worry that he because he, he wasn't actually getting a lot of pass work last year, which was surprising for a guy who gets a lot of reception. So um, I actually I do think though he's easily a top ten guy and well worth a first round pick uh, as far as that goes. Can I put a counter argument in though about Mixon? Yeah, please. In that. If they're going to throw the ball around so much, that team has a propensity of scoring touchdowns. So ultimately, if they're able to put points on the board for the first half, they're going to need to bleed the clock in the second. Scoring opportunities, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that concerns most Bengals fans is how Joe Burrow was attacked last year by other teams. And in the Super Bowl is a perfect example, too. Like, he got destroyed on a couple of plays. And I know that they got some offensive – a lot of, lot of offensive linemen. So All also another said, another though, feather yeah. in cap for Joe Mixon. Yeah. Oh, no, no, continue, continue, Tom. Well, I was going to say, like, I think, I think you could look at it two ways. One, that he might not get a lot of opportunities. Well, at the same time, though, him being the running back that he is in an offense, like a passing offensive-minded team, sets him up to be really successful. Cause if they're, if a team is dropping five guys to cover receivers in a tight end or more, all you have to do is check the line. Joe, here you go. Here's the ball. Here's seven yards. That's, that's what I think I want to see him do more. I want to see him be able to check it off to mix in more. Cause I didn't see a lot of that last year. And mm-hmm. I think that was, I think that was one of the issues was for me, someone who drafted Mixon in the first round, I was like, I, I, I loved, I loved his style of plays. He's, but it just, he wasn't getting a lot of that target. So, um, so Najee is my number five and my number four may not be on your guys list, but 
I'm going with Dalvin Cook. He really disappointed last year. Um, injuries are always a concern, but I'm telling you, the Kevin McConnell offense, I, I'm i a big believer. You're going to hear a lot of Vikings players uh, from me this year. I'm buying heavy on the Vikings because – they may not be a great team. They may not be a playoff team, but they are going to be efficient offensively. And for me, the Rams, uh, and this might just be a Sean McVay thing, but typically they centered in on a running back and usually 90% of the time we're kind of focusing on one guy. So they weren't a running back by a committee team. And wore him out. <laughs> wore him out. So, yeah. So, I mean, look, and Dalvin Cook has not played a full season. So my advice is, Draft Alvin Cook early, but make sure you spend a premium pick on Alexander Madison. Madison last year, when he played, he was an automatic 20 points, you know, when he came in for uh, for Dalvin Cook. So as long as you own the Minnesota Vikings backfield, mm-hmm. I think you're fine. And also, I would recommend if you don't have Dalvin Cook, pick up Madison at some point because you're guaranteed to get four or five games where you have a potential RB1 who's going to, uh, you know, and then it will annoy whoever does draft Alvin Cook. So, but I, I, I just think the upside of this offense is so big for Dalvin Cook um, that I think it's, it, it's going to be explosive for him. So he, he cracks my top five, despite me being very worried about injuries with him. Gotcha. What are some of you guys favorite handcuffs at the running back? Like since Q you've kind of led off here with Dalvin Cook, Madison, um, Tom, do you happen to have another one? Q, do you have? I, I bet you have a dozen of them. <laughs> well, I mean, the the best one is is Tony Pollard. I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, sure. was a, was a borderline flex player even with Zeke Elliott getting a lion share of the carry. So, and uh, I think I like. There's no guarantee that. Elliot's got anything left in the tank, so he could end up taking over at the end of this year. There, there's a very good chance I won't even take the handcuff but i will just grab tony pollard because he's gonna still yeah because yeah, I, mean, I mean again I, top five offense wild yeah opportunities. yeah i i think that there's two for me right now um and it is in a couple of teams that we had mentioned earlier green bay with aj Dillon, and then obviously uh kareem hunt with cleveland Oh yeah. You know, I, I think those are the two most obvious ones because I'm looking at those NBC rankings right now. And I mean, Chuba Howard, I mean, maybe like that kind of, but everybody else after that, there are, are absolute nobodies behind them except yeah. for Dalvin cook at five, their ranking. Um, but I mean, I, I think even, I think Dylan and, um, Kareem Hunt serve different roles in their respective offenses more so than what Madison or the other guys that we talked about. Um, I, I will say I am genuinely curious. I'm curious. And this might be a late round. Like, let's see what happens. Travis Etienne for Jacksonville. Oh, yes. he, he's, he's great value. He's, he's going to go high, unfortunately, yeah. which makes it. Well, that I don't want him high. I want him right. playing. No, I know. <laughs> you want the discount on him. Yeah. I actually feel like this good. He's you can going good to the faith. draft high. Yeah. I can't believe this shit. You, I, I honestly, I have more faith in Jacksonville this year. And uh, a lot of a lot of people, including myself, feel like this could be the uh, year for uh, Trevor Lawrence to actually have a bounce back. Um, I listen, I mean if if this is he's going to have to show something this year cuz 
it was not good enough last year. Um, but I will say though that ultimately, uh, he's he's they did put. I I don't necessarily agree with a lot of the stuff they did. Christian Kirk and all that gave him way too much money. Zay Howard, I think they overpaid. Uh, but Doug Peterson is kind of a quarterback guru. So if anybody can get the best out of him, it's not going to be fucking Urban Meyer. That's for sure. Well, yeah. that's the thing. It's like everyone might have a bounce back just because it's not under. Urban. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I, I feel good about Trevor Lawrence. And I know we're not talking about quarterbacks yet, though, but I don't think you can blame can... a guy for 3,600 yards and 12 touchdowns, 17 picks, and not talk about the fucking lunatic that was. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of that, there was a lot of chaos. Yeah, that's, and, and that's a big, big deal. I have a I have a value one that comes a little later in the draft um, and. I do this sometimes, actually a lot of times, with handcuffs. If I get them lower at the end of the, the draft or in the middle of the draft, um, I'll pick them up, and then whoever's least performing, I chop them off. You know, I cut their head. Um, Damian Harris and uh, Rashandre. Yeah, yeah Ramadre Stevenson. Stevenson. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, I feel like that's a good value pair if you can get them both. Um, yeah. At a discount, it's worth it, and you just see who's going to perform because somebody there is going to take the, uh, you know, the cowbell work. I'm I'm Team Stevenson on that. Yeah, me too. But me, I, me I, too. I, <laughs> I I I it is a tough one because the New England backfield is a fucking mess every single year. It's always like Bill Belichick hates fantasy football, and he lets you know it by. Stevenson will run for 200 yards one week, and then Damian Harris will get the lion's share of the fucking carries next week. It just makes no fucking sense. Yeah, I had Damian Harris last year, and the yardage really pissed me off, but you yeah. can't complain about 15 rushing touchdowns. No, no, definitely not. But so, I, I think that was the frustrating part is like, dude, you can do this every week. Just give him the give, – give one of them the ball – more it's like sean payton with wide receivers like he's oh, gonna unbearable. fucking he's just gonna torture you uh so let's talk about quarterbacks um are did i have josh allen at number one does anybody have anything different he was my first round pick last year yeah i listen i i just there's not much to say about josh allen last year's quarterback one in scoring yeah i will That's say though it. i will say though that I have Justin Herbert right up there underneath oh, him. Yeah, me too. Right yeah. up there underneath him, and it's. I thought it was going to be a little controversial there. Then, uh, <laughs> I guess not. But by the way, QB two from last year was uh, Justin Herbert. So that makes sense. Yeah. I, no, I am. I am just as pilled as you are on <laughs> Justin Herbert too. And I was thinking that too. Like, I would. I would be genuinely curious. Again, I think Herbert is a. Herbert could potentially be a better pick than Josh Allen. And let me explain this. He plays in San Diego. There was one game last Los, year. Los where, Angeles. Whatever. <laughs> but there was one game last year with Josh Allen was effectively rendered ineffective. And that was that game against the Patriots where they played it in Buffalo where nobody could pass. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that was closer to the end of the season where a lot of those points really, really matter. Like you're trying to solidify a spot in the playoffs. Unless Herbert's playing on the East Coast or in like one of the northern states outside of playing in Denver, he doesn't have that same issue. Like he's not going to get a, a one for three game for 19 yards and everything else is left to the running backs. So 
if I were to like, if I were to really think about it again, it's no knock on Allen. I think he is a guy that I was a hundred percent wrong on when he got into the league, but given weather situations and things like that, and just where they play, I think I would go Herbert. No, I mean, yeah. that's something you got to think about really though. The wet weather is a significant thing. I, I had actually dropped Tom Brady significantly a few years ago um, when he had moved down to uh, play with the Bucks. Mm-hmm. But I realize now that that move, a lot of it was performance-based because being in that warmer climate um, really helped his play. And Revitalized him. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Yeah, and by the way, Herbert's uh, ranking, like, so I'm, I'm basing all this a lot off Yahoo rankings, but, you you know, Allen is projected to go be as, like, a third-round pick in most leagues, and Herbert's around a fifth. So you're not talking about much of a drop-off, and you get a, a better value with Herbert um, from a fantasy perspective. So um, I just, you know, I just think that it's a, a good bet to go with Herbert in that scenario, just because you're probably going to be getting uh, better players and then still get them in the fifth round. So uh, Mahomes is number three for me. I, I, he's QB five last year. So, you know, he had a bit of a down year comparably, but he led the NFL in passing yards for the last four years. So I'm not really concerned about the loss of Tyreek Hill it does not matter to me one bit. Um, he will make it work. He's one of those guys that he will make it work with whoever's there. Um, how do you guys feel about number three? There, go ahead, Gatto. I have Lamar Jackson as uh, my number three. Very uh, nice. Yeah, he's very high on Lamar this year. Yeah, yeah, he's because last year, I mean, what a disaster of a fucking year they had, right? Fucking so many injuries early on. Everybody tested uh, positive for COVID on that team too. Yes, I forgot about that. They had FedEx. <laughs> they, had Fed, they had FedEx players playing on that defense for fucking against Cincinnati. Yeah, man, and it was guys that were never going to play in the NFL ever again after that. It was just bad luck after bad luck after bad luck for them. And uh, this year, uh, you know, if the team gets back to being healthy, stays healthy, um, there's a lot of we- weapons there. And they um, to, to be able to take some of that workload off of Lamar will actually help him end up performing even better. Uh, and, and honestly, I think getting rid of Marquise Brown was a great, Thing for them, um, <laughs> and then he got I, suspended. Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, um, any, anyone walking around named Hollywood is just trouble. <laughs> Antonio Brown's cousin, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he's my number five. QB fifteen last year, despite missing five games, so he was still middle of the pack despite missing all those games and not playing well for the most part either. Uh, he's in a contract year. Always bet on a quarterback in a contract year. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm big. He still ended up scoring more points than Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, and Mac Jones, uh, who all played pretty much the full years except for Russ. So uh, very high on Lamar. Um, Tom, who do you got number three? I mean, I think people are selling Patrick Mahomes pretty short right now, and I think yeah. they're they're putting a lot. They're tying a lot of his success on Tyreek Hill, but. There are things that that are on that team that are still in place. The offensive line is still there. Um, Travis Kelsey is still there. And from all indications, Juju Smith-Schuster is a really nice piece there right now. And he's really adapted well. But also, Andy Reid is still there. And um, Eric Bieniemy is still there. The, the whole setup is still there for success. And I know that people want to tie Mahomes to Hill 
in the way that you tie Aikman to uh, Michael Irving. But I don't Mm -hmm. think it's really like that. I think in more instances, you're going to see, this is like, um, this is like an Aaron Rodgers to Donald driver to um, Devante Adams kind of situation where you just go off of like whoever's talented there and you, you do well with them. I, I think Mahomes people are buying low right now on him because Tyreek Hill got his money in Miami, but I think he's going to go out and scare some people. So I'm going to be a little controversial here. And I'm going to, I'm not saying that Mahomes will be better off without Tyreek Hill. Not saying that he's an incredible option. I do think it takes a little pressure off of him though. I would agree because Hill dominates a lot of targets. He's a number one wide receiver, but also think about how they were playing them last year. They switched the defense to more of like a cover two Tampa two defense, two safeties playing up top, trying to take away the big plays, forcing them to go underneath. Right. They drafted sky Moore, by the way, out of, uh, I think it was Western Michigan, uh, Mm -hmm. in the second, second round. This kid is a guy who will eat you in space. He's going to be a nightmare outside the hashes. Um, he's going to be able to run all these complex routes and like get open and just, they're going to pick you apart all year this year. So between Kelsey, Juju, Sky Moore, um, and then you think about guys like uh, they got Marquez Valdez Scantling from Green mm-hmm. Bay. Consistent they're, player. They're going to be more of an attack you 15, 20 yard range rather than 50 yard range. So they're not going to take as many deep shots, most likely, but I think they're going to be more efficient um, drive to drive. So let me ask you both an off-the-wall question. What is more likely to happen? Patrick Mahomes scores, throws for 50 touchdowns, or his fail brother gets 50,000 <laughs> likes on one TikTok post? I, I actually was waiting for you to bring up Jackson. <laughs> Fucking Jackson Mahomes. Uh... I think he gets, sadly, I think he gets more than 50,000 likes on a video. I'm not, I can't confirm that, but I would, I would guess he does because he's, you know, more, more hate watching than anything. But yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not down on Mahomes at all. I think he had a bad year. Um, and relatively bad, like bad yeah, year, bad was year for him would MVP still be the conversation. Best year of Jones yeah. I, I mean, come much. on. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, my number four pick is Daniel Jones. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have, <laughs> I, the have rat a, away. <laughs> I have uh Brady as my number four QB three last year. All the gang is back. Chris Godwin just came off a of pup. They added Julio Jones and Russell Gage. I mean, again, he's the fucking goat. Don't question him. I'm not. I'm not going to start now. So, yeah, that's actually, and and you can get him for good value too in this draft. I dude, I he's he's going in the seven eight range in like a standard quarterback league. So, can I ask which, a question though? Yeah. Um, I'm looking again. I'm looking at NBC's rankings. They have Russell Wilson at ten. I was yes. actually just about to bring low. him up. Great minds. Yeah, man. So, so. Yes and no. This is a Brady situation from a couple years ago. Okay. Do you remember when Brady, everyone said that Tom Brady is fucking done and like, cause he was playing with for Josh McDaniels and everyone was like pretty much saying that he was, he was done. The goat is dead. And then he goes to Tampa and plays for Bruce Arians. And then all of a sudden he looks brand new let's yeah. repeat that by the way he was playing for bruce arians right which like, so, that's not that's well, not a, bruce, a, a, compared to belichick 
Compared well, no, no, I'm Belichick, talking about I'm talking about Josh. I mean? I'm talking about Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels oh, okay, was okay, the okay, play okay. caller in, in New England. Okay, okay. Russell Wilson playing for Pete Carroll over the last few years and that offensive system, which for some reason was like, hey, we have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Let's run the ball constantly. He's now playing for Nathaniel Hackett. You know, if you don't know who Nathaniel Hackett is, he's been Green Bay the last few years, the offensive coordinator. Aaron Rodgers swears by him, running really efficient offenses. But let's go back to 2018 Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars the Jacksonville Jaguars who were half a a half a game away from going to the fucking Super Bowl with with Blake Blake Bortles Bortles as the quarterback (laughs) and then he he leaves and then Blake Bortles turns back into a fucking pumpkin so coming to a pizza hut near you by the way yeah exactly (laughs) Nathaniel Hackett is one of the best offensive minds in the league. They have unlimited weapons there, two-headed monster run in the, in the run game, an offensive line that's well above average. I'm betting big on Russell Wilson to to rebound this year and in a big way. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. The one thing I do see is I am not a big uh, and and maybe maybe I hold off till till we talk wide receivers for this one. No, I we can start. Just, I just kind of want to bring it up is that I have never been sold on Jerry Judy. Judge um, no. Judy. <laughs> I, yeah, I think he's smoking Mary's. He gets a lot more credit and hype than he's worth. Uh, you have a better bet in the injury prone Cortland Sut- uh, Sutton. I than... thousand percent agree. I think Sutton is a better prospect in fantasy. I will say I had Judge Judy last year in our league and he was hurt for about 85% of it. It's very and frustrating. Yeah. I I only held on to him because the hope of him, but I did want yeah. to bring something out that Nathaniel Hackett um, coach for Syracuse orange, by the way, <laughs> go orange in, in 2010. And then in 2010 through 2012, when Doug Marone was there, which was the, like high watermark of Syracuse. Ryan Nassib, baby. Yeah, outside of the Donovan McNabb era, that was yeah. the high watermark of Syracuse passing. I agree. So who's a dud? Who is an absolute fucking loser you should stay away from? Who is in, somebody in, in the QB range? Yes. Ooh. So Tom, your favorite guy, Kyler Murray. Um, mm. I'm 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 not sold on Kyler Murray. If you go back Second half of last year, right? Seven last seven games, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. DeAndre Hopkins is suspended. Hollywood Brown suspended. He's being drafted as QB five right now. Like so, like he's at ranked. He was QB ten last year. Did you see that shit that uh, the that Cliff Kingsbury did? He said, "Yeah, you can call plays for the last." And he half. he he fucking was horrible. <laughs> and 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 right now they're they're ranking him head of Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, and Tom Brady in Yahoo right now. It's dumb. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't see it with Kyler um, having this like incredible year that's going to be worthy of like a top five ranking in Yahoo. I I think he'll be fine stats wise. I think the Cardinals are probably going to be a good team, but like. If you're talking about getting value for your quarterback, it's not it's not going to be Kyler Murray. Mm-mm. He, I don't I don't really want to say it, but he just comes off like a punk kid, and I've <laughs> I've been high on him for for years, but I just thought like he you know he was 
He's he's middling very fast. He's, yeah. he's going to be mid as fuck by the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's mid. I mean, you look at it. 20 touchdowns, 26, 24. I mean, he's a middle of the road quarterback. I I got a question though. Um and and I don't mean to move off of Kyler Murray. I just actually feel like there's there's little there to to really cover because one, we're getting they they remove that thing from the contract. Yeah, the uh, study time, which yeah. is even worse than putting it in because it just you're you're continuing the conversation, which is just makes it worse. It's, it's uh, like it's like taking a bandaid off and then stabbing the wound again. It's like <laughs> ripping the doing? scab off. Of yeah, it. exactly. I mean, you know, I if we talk about the team in general, like they went out to appease this guy, and I think they put in so much. For for someone to have such a high list of demands, like I think the reason he gets ranked so high is that um he, he almost all his demands were fucking met. And so people actually believe that he's gonna produce for this. But I don't think getting what you want in the NFL actually makes you produce. What makes you produce is fucking playing football well on all facets. So I think he's just making excuses and you know uh treading water basically or, or yeah time yeah um losing record by to the, the way. inevitable fail that will be his career at this point i mean maybe it, he'll turn it around on i just out. can't justify I just yeah I, I just can't justify the draft position because you know if you're if you're taking him ahead of brady and and dak and jalen hurts at this point i just i don't I'm I'm not sure what the thought process is behind that. So especially because he was barely a top ten quarterback last year. So like, what got better? Yeah, Hopkins is out for the first six games. Hollywood Brown. I mean, the the run game is great with you know, but they lost Chase Edmonds too. So I mean, I mean, there know. are a number of guys that I would take before him solely based on what I look for, and that's consistency. As much as I rag on Kirk Cousins, like. At least I know he's going to play every game. He's going to get about four thousand yards, and he's going to get thirty touchdowns. So, so and, I was going to ask you guys for sleepers, and Kirk Cousins is my quarterback sleeper. And and I could see the argument there for sure. I could see the argument. He's got great receiving core, maybe one of the best receiving cores in in the league. Like solid. Uh, I mean, between uh, Van Jefferson stealing, I mean. They're gonna go fucking off. Um, Justin Jefferson. Justin, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. I do that every goddamn time. <laughs> yeah. So Kirk, Kirk Cousins, QB eleven last year, right? One spot below Kyler Murray, and he's being ranked as QB thirteen right now. And by the way, run first offense uh, last year, uh, and they're gonna be more of a pass heavy offense this this season. So, and I, I just I think he's I think Kirk is a is a huge sleeper. I, I got a question though, and and this is a weird one. Um, why isn't anyone mentioning Derek Carr? I was just gonna say Derek Carr. <sighs> All right. This yeah. Is- <laughs> I listen. I I like Derek Carr. I just I don't know, man. I I like him a lot. And Josh Josh McDaniel. He's got all the weapons in the world. He probably does have the best receiving core. Do you trust Josh the, McDaniels to not be super conservative? Like he was in New England. I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, the head coach and what that person was telling. Very possible. Because I think you saw what Josh McDaniels was 
when he was in Denver before he got like in over his head. Where you mean drafting Tim Tebow? Like, <laughs> drafting Tim Tebow in and, the first round? Yeah, because I think he tried to fucking galaxy brain his way all, into a all job. he does is win and and pray. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you look at. I mean, Devontae Adams is a guy that I think, and you know, they're playing in Vegas, a new environment. Hunter Renfro is a guy I picked up later on last year, and it was consistently like 80 yards touchdown every game. He was number 10 receiver in PPR last year, Hunter Renfro. And that was the guy I picked up mid-fucking season, too, off the just trailer park heap of dog shit that was our free agent pool. Carr has weapons for days he really does um especially if they stay healthy right like darren waller is someone who i i'm high on this year because i think he might be over his injuries but um he has trouble staying healthy the thing about the offense is i don't i don't worry about them being conservative for the sheer fact that in that division you're gonna have to play um, you're gonna have to play big ball, man. It's it's gonna be high score. Yeah, it's, I hope it's a so. A lot of exciting. Uh, it's I a very so. exciting division to be in. One yeah, could but... make the argument that's gonna be the most enjoyable division in football to watch. From like I, a from a viewer perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for, if you're talking about Mahomes, Herbert, Carr, and Russell Wilson are the mm-hmm. quarterbacks in that division. There's like. Not a single bad one in the division. Have every one of them been to a Pro Bowl game? I'm pretty uh, sure all of them have I'm been pretty all pro. Sure, I'm pre- yeah. So Derek Carr might be the only one I'm not 100% sure on, but I think he's probably made a Pro Bowl in his career. Yeah, I think he got um, I think he got MVP votes one year too. I'm I'm going to throw this out there, by the way. No, this is more of a deep sleeper. So I, I, I want to, I also want to shift back to running backs because we can do sleepers and, uh, and guys we think who are going to bust. Um, Baker Mayfield. I had a question about him actually, yeah. and I wanted to pose this to you guys. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do this as a compendium to your question in the conversation. Please. Please. Who do you think will have more passing touchdowns this year? Okay. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, or Daniel Jones? I'm gonna go with Baker. Okay. And the reason why QB 17 last year. Now, mind you, that's like a, a like a quarterback two. It's a low end quarterback two, but you think about it, right? Th- how bad he was last year. He still finished as QB seventeen. Yeah, he's not ranked on Yahoo right now. So, if you're talking about uh, you take a top tier quarterback and you don't want to spend a, a high pick on a on a backup, you're talking about a guy like Baker Mayfield who could end up being a waiver wire pickup who could end up yielding value. DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Tommy Tremble at tight end. There's a lot of, a lot of good value there. Sam Darnold. I don't even know if Sam Darnold's going to make this team. I, I mean, to be fair, I probably would have actually asked though, if it was Baker, Sam or Tyra Taylor. I wouldn't have put Daniel Jones. In. <laughs> Damn, son. Yeah, Jones, Jones, by the way, uh, reports out of New York have not. I, he played pretty well in the preseason game, but uh, the, the the last few days, the practices they've been saying is some of the worst they've ever seen. So, um, not not very high on Daniel Jones. I'm already scouting 2023 guys for it's for yeah. Jones. It's it's been bad for Daniel Jones. It's been great for T- Kayvon Thibodeau. 
Yeah, he's been in yeah. the backfield every single play. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so I want to shift back to running backs for a second because we didn't really touch sleepers and and guys to avoid with running backs. So then we can then shift to uh, wide receivers after that. Do you guys uh do you guys have a running back you're like I'm not gonna touch that guy because I sure do Tom. Oh, I know you're, who you got. Your your commies. You guys got a running back that you're avoiding, like if even if he's there in the mid rounds, are you? Is there a guy that you're not going to touch? Uh, Leonard Fournette. Going early, by the way, he's a yeah. second round pick in most leagues. So I have no faith in that he's going to either like stay healthy or not eat his way out of a job. He he did he did relatively well for me last year um, when I was struggling at the running back position for depth. But um, apparently, but I got him at a using, apparently this year he's using Hagen Das as sunscreen. So uh, running, no, running, running back, running, running back. <laughs> by the way, running back six last year. So he 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 gets a lion's share of the reception. So he gets a lot of passes thrown to him. So I I don't, I don't know if I agree uh, with Fournette because he is already back down to two forty. By the way, um, but he's a guy at LSU who played super heavy and so but it he is a guy who could in, end up busting out so i you know the, i can understand why you would pick him as as two giants fans though how do you feel about saquon oh it's gonna be another year where he's just gonna steal money from you no i, I actually think third round he's been going around late two early three it's actually a pretty good value he's been the sole bright spot of the team so far yeah um that because that offensive line's been upgraded a bit yeah. um we got we got run. better coaching that knows how to run the ball. So and and I'm already seeing him being used in the passing game, which was not something that they were really doing before. So uh, he's he's gonna uh, as long as he stays healthy, which is the biggest question. That's, so. that's the true hesitancy on him is how how do we feel about his health? Um, the the other running back that I think I'm I'm tempted to avoid, and he goes early as Cam Akers. Yeah, yeah, he was hurt last year during the Super Bowl. In Achilles, the run. Achilles tear last Ugh, year. Yeah, he's coming off of that. Um, Came back. It's always though. been yeah, and and all reports say he's good, and I hope he does. Um, I I hope he is healthy and he bounces back from that. Um, but it's always been like the the Rams have always been a team that run uh run by committee. Um, they they kind of. There, it's it's hard to live and die by a Rams running back right now because they don't have like a solid one two, um, so I just I will probably avoid him, um, in all likelihood. And he's going very high for someone that I don't think should be going that high. Yeah, like round round two or three uh, is going to be where maybe round four or five if you get lucky. So it's just like the values. Uh. I do have to ask, though, are we doing Alvin Kamara a disservice by not talking about him? Because right now he's ranked at the number 11 running back on NBC. I think we're doing a disservice to the listeners by not talking about him because depending on what your the information you go on will ultimately depend on how, how you feel about him. So What's Adam... Adam Schefter today said that it looks as though based upon how many times his court date keeps getting pushed back, that league discipline may not be hit on him till next year. 
So you might be getting him in the third, fourth round, and he could end up playing the full year, and you just got the steal of the century. Or week nine, week ten, you're about to hit the playoffs. He gets hit with a fucking suspension, and you're now and and now the the Saints are out of playoff contention, and they're gonna let him serve it now because they don't want it bleeding into next year. So would, I don't know. Would would either of you even wager that the Saints are a team that could be in contention at yeah. all for playoffs? Yeah. I mean, Thomas the NFC South is not a great division either. Michael Thomas yeah. coming back, and uh, the defense is rock solid. The defense is, is great. So uh, I hope so because the Eagles own their first-round pick next year. So I, I'm hoping they make the playoffs and go deep into it. So. <laughs> My hesitation with the Saints, though, is that Dennis Allen is their head coach. Yeah, the the that's a worrisome thing for me, too, because he – not that he was a bad coach with the Raiders. It's just it's, – it's not Sean Payton anymore. So I just – I don't know. I do have to ask, though, are we also – doing a disservice to Jameis Winston, who is now playing in a dome. Is is he gonna be the guy who's is he gonna be the guy who's starting games for the Saints come week thirteen? He was he was middling last year when he played and for the Saints and and he tore his ACLs and apparently he uh the other day had to leave practice early because he was kind of limping. So I, I don't know if that leg's fully healthy. I'm not I'm not he he to me he's like a back end like he's a backup quarterback and it's, uh, it's funny i've seen a lot of um and when i say a lot i mean like three uh three articles that said that he could have a breakout year and i just don't could, see it could. I, I just don't see it though he's, i mean his breakout year was when he threw 33 touchdowns listen and 30 picks so that's my, a breakout my, <laughs> listen michael thomas is michael thomas is coming back Chris Olave, first round pick. Um, they 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 added some weapons, so he's if, if it's ever gonna happen, I think it's this year. Um, but uh, you know, so we'll see. But yeah, yeah. You're Tom, playing inside, you're playing indoors. Let it ride. Tom, your fucking commies are driving me nuts here. Uh Antonio Gibson, top ten last year. He was the number 10 running back in PPR. I don't know what the I don't know what the commanders are doing. They've been insisting that he's the top, he's the number one guy, but JD McKissick goes to sign with Buffalo. Last second, Washington swoops in and re-signs him, gets him to change his mind. He's been the primary pass catcher, so Gibson's upside in the passing game is limited. Then they spend a third round draft pick on Brian Robinson from Alabama. Alabama. Um, Alabama running back who, by the way, uh, took over for Antonio Gibson after he fumbled in the preseason game. He got two carries for negative one yard. Uh, aside from the fact that Gibson Robinson, by the way, third round draft pick. So you're talking about a, a high a top 100 pick. A lot of value. And Gibson never being used in the primarily in the passing game. 96 targets through two seasons. Now. Brian Robinson, who's 6'2 and 220 pounds, is going to most likely dominate goal line work. And by the way, Brian Robinson been running with the first team in some practices. I can't talk myself into drafting Antonio Gibson anywhere. And I wouldn't either, to be honest with you. And honestly, Washington is a team that outside of their wide receiving core, I wouldn't touch anybody. 
He like, sounds like a guy who's going to go in the fifth or sixth round, and then you're going to drop him on waivers within like seven weeks. Yeah, and I think right now, for the last couple of years, they've been solely focused on just trying to accumulate any kind of talent. And I think yeah. the first couple of weeks of the year, I would include Carson Wentz in this conversation as well. They're really trying to figure out like what they have. Um, and I think for this team, it's going to be how a lot of – the commanders seasons have gone in the sense that they're going to be middling for most of the first half and they're going to find their way to make it into the playoffs with like a, you know, a nine and seven record or a seven and nine record or I don't know about this year though. With the seven Eagles and 10 and Cowboys. Well, I, they've, they found ways to do it. And I think outside of Terry McLaurin, there's nobody really else. You should be really focused on. Like, I like Dotson. I mean, they they do not outside of McLaurin. They don't have, not have a good track record of drafting wide receivers, though. So I think there needs to be some kind. And right now, Curtis Samuel is projected to be the number two guy on the other I'll, side. I'll believe it when I see it. He he's, no, I, by the way, he's still on. He he got injured in the preseason last year, and he's still on the pup list. Yeah, they gave him a a lot of money to come here and just hang out and like the the trainer's room like so, what, what's going on that you are still dealing with a hamstring injury everyone knows that the trainer's room has the best pop schools though yeah exactly <laughs> so all that to be said like unless your name is terry mclaurin i would i would stay away from all of those guys and yeah. and maybe wait it out too because i think there are guys even in that area in that time frame in the draft where gibson might be somebody that is there but the scheme is just like analysis paralysis based on who their running backs are. And they even have yeah. a couple of other guys too, like Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo. They were he was great last on, season. Played they were, him in, played him they in were the high on him. <laughs> they were high on him too. So it's like, yeah, what are we doing here, guys? Like, again, you need two of these guys to be good. You don't need four of them. And yeah. I think I think Robinson is a nice guy to target late because uh, he could end up. I mean, McKissick. I mean, if you play in a PPR league and you don't you you go zero running back and you like hit wide receiver and quarterback and tight end early, McKissick's not a bad guy in the double digit rounds to target. He's going to get pass catches. I mean, he's just especially with like with the with Wentz. You know, he likes to dump the ball off, so he could end up uh, getting seven or eight catches a game and give you float you as a running back two or a flex. So yeah, but if you if you look at McKissick's numbers, like they don't justify this being somebody that you draft. No, I mean, may maybe like a, I mean, might be like one of the last picks, but I wanted to talk about some sleepers because I got two of them for you guys. Um, they're, they're not some household names. Uh, they're both rookies. Uh, first one is going to be Damian Pierce. Uh, he's a running back for the Houston Texans. He's being ranked as running back 41 on Yahoo right now. I think he's going to start for the Houston Texans. And despite the fact that, like, they're going to be a bad team, they will. He ran pretty well yesterday, and he had 16 touchdowns on only 119 touches at Florida last year. You're going to probably get him in the double-digit rounds, and you're talking about a guy who could be a, a potentially starting running back with pass-catching upside. Um, really good deep sleeper. Another one is going to be Isaiah Pacheco, I believe pronounced. He's a rookie with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he was a Rutgers Scarlet Knight. 
Uh, yeah. the, Yahoo doesn't even have him as like a draftable guy. Uh, he's 5'11", 215. He's the biggest running back in the room. He ran a 4-3-7. He's been running with the first-team offense. Does anybody believe in Charles Edwards-Hilaire Mm-mm. or Ronald Jones, who, by the way, they're saying may not even make the roster there? We talk about opportunity, right? We talk about the opportunity to, to get potential scoring drives. He is the biggest and fastest running back they got. I think he could end up walking away with the starting job. Some people have compared him to Kareem Hunt uh, coming out of Toledo. So he seems like a guy that you're going to get in the 14th, 15th, or 16th round. You're one of your last picks that might sit in the back end of your roster or maybe even off the waiver wire who could end up being a top 15 back this year if he gets the if he gets enough opportunities. So uh, just somebody to monitor to keep an eye on. I will say this about um... – Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He killed somebody. Do you what? really want to bet against that guy? <laughs> I mean, wait, not he, face to face. I'm sorry. He he did what? So he was involved in 2018 in a fatal shooting that happened in um, Louisiana. I did not know that. Do you really want to bet against this man? Well, now <laughs> I definitely don't want him on my team in case he gets into another murderous situation. Um, I did not know that. Um, so. It was an attempted robbery, and him and another player that Clyde Edwards Hilaire was with, they both pulled guns and shot this dude. Oh my god! How did he? How did he like self defense? Yeah, it's a self defense um, shooting. But all that to be said, um, oh, wait, someone someone tried to rob him. Yeah, but he, him, and a teammate also had guns, and they shot this dude dead. I mean, if we're like drafting Oof. for like who's my team in the apocalypse, he's definitely on it. I would agree. Uh, I would agree. This is definitely someone you want around. But, um, you know, I, I think the one that sticks out to me is Damian Pierce because they've said, I've read a bunch of reports saying like they are wowed by this guy in Houston. Yeah. And granted, that might just be there's not a lot of talent there. Like Rex Burkhead is the other running back there, and I don't yeah. think he's wowing anybody. But I think he's the one that has the most potential to do some damage with that team. That team's going to suck. Davis Mills is probably not their answer. That whole team is completely depleted, so they're going to probably just give this dude the ball a whole lot. Side note, uh, Dan Mullins should go to Guantanamo Bay because if you have 13 touchdowns and 100 yards on the ground and you don't start games – Dan mm-hmm. Mullins was the coach. Get Mo for you. Yeah, I agree. You guys have any I, uh, sleepers you want to go over? I, I have. I, I'm interested in both of your um, opinions on this player because he, to me, I've wondered if he could be um, a breakout or a sleeper. Is uh, Tyler Algayer? Yeah, mm-hmm. he. Uh... It's the Falcons, correct? Yeah, I see. Yeah. And the reason I bring them up is because one, we have a a like Swiss Army knife, like a rusty Swiss Army knife at that in Cordell Patterson. Guy is great. Don't get me wrong, um, but I don't know if he's got a full season left in him. Um, he was looking pretty shot by by week eight um, last year. And he was he was like their most reliable player, and I don't think they can rely on him in the same capacity. And he was doing it all last year. And I I see I see Tyler Algier coming in and um, 
filling a lot of that void in 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 their needs there. And they don't have much else going on. They got Marcus Mariota now as their quarterback, right? So, like, they're going to have to rely on the run game. They're going to have to go go to someone with some youth and explosiveness. So, I've been kind of wondering if he's a good pick. Um, considering he's he's later in those those middling rounds that everyone gets in trouble those seven eight nine rounds so i think he's worth a shot i mean considering the other options they have on that team it's Cordell patterson who's a converted wide receiver to running back and mike davis like i mean he's young he's got a good frame it's like 511 over 200 and he played in byu so he's used to disciplined yeah (laughs) He definitely doesn't like caffeine. Um, <laughs> he doesn't need it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, you know, I don't think the Falcons are in a position to really, like, be choosy at this point. Yeah. There's just no talent on that team. It, Which it's going to lead to a lot of usage. For, for Algier, his biggest obstacle is going to be the passing game because um, for, for them, you expect with a bad defense and Marcus Mariota is your quarterback, you're going to probably throw the ball a lot. And the one thing with Cordell Patterson that he does well is catch the ball out of the backfield. So that that's going to be his biggest competition. So, but I mean, as if you're, if you're in like a dynasty league um, or if you're like a keeper league late rounder, definitely. I would, I would, cause also Desmond Ritter yeah. is the backup. They drafted him this year out of Cincinnati. He played pretty well in the preseason game. I'm curious about him too. Mm-hmm. But my yeah. my sleeper is going to be Kenneth Walker from the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Love and Kenneth Walker coming out of Michigan State. Yeah, there. I, I I like him because I've watched him play in a few games, and I just like the way he plays. I also think too they had someone who just retired from the Seahawks, right? Chris Carson uh, yeah. just had to retire because of neck issues. So the, the, it's basically Rashad Penny and. Kenneth Walker. At this yeah. Point. And Rashad Penny, he's another guy that I had on my team last year and they've had him on the team for a couple of years and he's just been hit with injury over injury and over injury. So I think Walker is probably a nice guy to have too. Cause if Penny's going to be the starter, he's not shown that he's going to be a consistent Chris, guy. Chris Carson's not there anymore. He retired. He's, he, oh, had he, retired. he actually just retired. Okay. Yeah. He had, he had a, uh, they were like Pete Carroll is pretty much known as like the eternal optimist. And like we'll be like, yeah, he's fine. Don't worry about it. like. And then like when they were talking about Chris Carson before he retired, he was like, yeah, it's not, it's not looking good. So yeah, and that team's not. It doesn't have anything else going on, man. I think it's the other run. thing too is depending on who their starting quarterback is going to be, either Geno Smith or Drew Locke. Like they're going to need to lean heavily on their running game because that's the biggest concern, right? That's the biggest concern is going to be the who who is the quarterback, but. I'm telling you, man, I watched a lot of Kenneth Walker um, when because I, I thought, you know, for the draft and I, not to compare him to another Michigan State guy, but Le'Veon Bell, like mm-hmm. he just he looked a lot like Le'Veon Bell when he came out of Michigan State. So just the 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 smoothness, the, the you know, that ability to like patiently wait behind your line, wait for the for the hold of form. So he just he has that ability. So Rashad Penny, by the way, only resigned to a one year deal, misses game every single season. So pretty much just put him on your bench and just wait for Rashad Penny to get hurt. Yeah. I mean I picked up Penny last year and he started six games and ended with 750 yards and six touchdowns. And he was a nice like mid season pickup when I think one of my guys got hurt or something happened. But 
Um, Probably again, Chris Carson. Yeah. Again, only, you know, only played in 10 games, started six of them. So if you're looking for like the model of consistency, Richard Penny is not going to be that guy. Definitely. So wide receivers, guys, I'm going to be a little controversial here. Shit. We could all be wide receivers in the NFL. Cooper Cup is not my wide, wide receiver one. You are not pilled on the cup. I am. I like Cooper Cup a lot, and obviously he outs. So Devontae Adams was wide receiver two last year. Cooper Cups outscored him by a hundred points. So clearly, like he's great. But my number one receiver is going to be Justin Jefferson this year. God, oh, you're muted. That explains it. I was like, oh, I was gonna. F- I knew it was Justin Jefferson. <laughs> I was going to tell, tell you that. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 got to be Jefferson because I mean, he was wide receiver wide receiver four last year in a primary run first offense. I, I'm I'm fully pilled on the Vikings this year. I think they're, they're like from a passing game perspective, they're going to be. I think just the team. So I, I'm buying a lot of Viking stock this year. And when it comes to Jefferson, they're also now going to move him around. They're going to play him in the slot sometimes, which you're going to get mismatches on slot corners or outside linebackers. He's already been a productive receiver in an offense that was very vanilla. And now you're putting him in a Sean McVay light type of offense, an offense that last year produced a Cooper Cup offense that uh, a season that was you know memorable. I think Jefferson, you know, mind you, Cooper Cup before last season was not blowing the doors off of anybody. So I think I think Justin Jefferson is poised for a huge season. So he's my number one wide receiver. Tom, who do you got? My number one receiver. I mean, I, I would tend to agree with Justin Jefferson, but solely for argument's sake, I think Jamar Chase is probably gonna be the one that I pick. I know that people are buying I know that people are uh, they don't have a lot of faith in the Bengals right now for whatever reason. They're going to call it the Super Bowl hangover or what have you or some of the injuries that Joe Burrow had. But personally, I think that this team, they've done the things that you're supposed to do to reload and build a stronger foundation when it comes to offensive line. And they've they've added good pieces. You know, Chase was dominant in his first year in the league and – I think it only grows from here. Yeah. It only gets better. And you know, this will be Joe Burrow's third year in the league. I think he's finally gotten a handle on it after having his first year cut short by a knee injury. I, you know, I, I'm not saying that Justin Jefferson is a bad pick. If anything, the dome solves a lot of problems. I just think the challenge is regardless of what the offense is going to be, it's still, Still Kirk Cousins. Yeah, there's always that leadership question with Kirk hey, Cousins. Hey, hey, don't question Kirk Cousins, man. He's one of the most efficient quarterbacks over the last few years. So. Also one I, of the richest, too, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> fine. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm all in on Jamar J- Chase. I, I got him in a keeper league, so I'm happy about that. Uh, wide receiver five last season as a rookie. And, like, there was a lot of talk about him pre pre preseason about drops and all that, and he just blew the doors off everybody. I, I do have a question, though. Is there any fear that T. Higgins might end up coming close to producing the same numbers, but you'll get him at a discount? He's, well, yeah. um, he's, he's year three in the league, right? Or is he year four? He's year three. Okay. 
So I'm not. I, I think Higgins is a great option if you're gonna if you miss out on Chase and you want some Bengals stock. Oh yeah, you want definitely. Bengal stock. Yeah, in my get, opinion, you want Bengals stock. You want Bengals stock for sure. They're gonna be a good offense regardless. So I, I'm. I'm in. I like Higgins a lot. I'm just not as a first round pick. Chase. Chase. Oh I'm yeah, not, yeah. No, no, not definitely. Yeah, not, no. it doesn't. Doesn't. <laughs> and I, I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about Jamar Chase. They were. They were going to everybody last year, and he still just exploded. So. My uh, my funny thing with um, wide receivers, I feel like this is where I'm the most selective because I base this significantly off of who else who else is on that roster. Um, and essentially, there's a lot of things that just like turn turn me away from from wide receivers that can can be from like bad games to bad attitudes. It's a very weird. This is the this is where I'm the most picky. It's it's a weird place. And I mean, you know, with the amount of receivers every single year that come out and are just really, really good, it's like it's not it's hard to not wait on a uh, wide receiver and just wait for a guy later on that might hit. So can yeah. I ask a question? Odell Beckham is still not signed. Correct. He's a free agent right now. Yeah. Do you take a flyer on him tail end of the draft and just pick him up and hold him for the first week? No, not really, because coming off, he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So the timetable is kind of weird. I don't think he signs until um, probably midseason to a team that's like desperate need for a receiver. I, I, I'm just I, if if maybe he had injured himself earlier in the year, maybe, mm-hmm. but not not at this moment now. Well, the magic. The magic number is nine, right? So you're usually nine months to get back from an ACL, and that would put you in November. So you're you're already in the mid mid season. And that, you right? need to get roster signed. spots are just so hard to come by when, especially with injuries during the regular season. It's just well, like, you need you need to get signed right by a certain date in order to. Is that true? Like you need to be signed by the team in by a certain timeline in order to be able to play on the playoff roster? Or am I just thinking of baseball? I think that's, oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a baseball okay. thing, yeah. No, he can sign any time. Um, yeah, I, I, listen, if you got an IR spot, if you got if you got IR spots in your team and you want to draft them and then kick them to IR and then pick somebody off of waivers, mm-hmm. and if you're comfortable with, like, leaving him there, uh, keeper leagues – Late and yeah, you know what? Go for it because then you know the following year you can keep him for probably a, a cheaper price, uh, especially if he rebounds. I don't know, man. It, two ACL tears on the same knee, just he's great. He's still great, but it just I'm I'm not willing to waste the roster spot at this point. Just too much. There's only options. There's only so many ligaments you could have. I know. I know. <laughs> but um, I, I feel like I'm disrespecting Cooper Cup here. But I want people to know the only reason why I have Jefferson above him is Stafford's shoulders uh, question mark right now. So I'm just I'm not sure because I mean Cooper Cup was the number one fucking player last year um, over he'll quarterbacks and standard. Yeah, he's gonna he'll, get his. He'll get his. It's just that when you're looking at like when you're doing the draft and you're looking at like what they're saying he's gonna get, I don't think he's coming near those numbers because. I, I, I mean, he hard. could. It'd be he hard could, to read. It'd, it'd be, be hard, hard to do that again. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like you know, but, and, you know what the thing though, Gato is teams knew that Cup was the guy. Like Robert Woods went down early in yeah. the season, and like they knew Cooper Cup was the guy, and they still couldn't stop him. 
So it's like I I I don't know. Well, man. I and no, but this is more of an indictment on Matt Stafford, I think, than it is on Cooper Cup. Because yeah. the thing with the receivers is that it is always an intricate game or a tango between your quarterback and your wide receivers. And so if one isn't up to the challenge, which there's a lot of issues with Stafford's shoulder, I think even his elbow too. Um they're saying he has injuries that are relative to like pitchers. Dude, yeah, he's, he's I mean, he's kind of beat up. And and yeah. who is their backup? Good question. Goom. And Goom. and that's and that's the problem. And then Tom and then it goes and then you go, well, maybe I should <laughs> hey, if you draw if you draft Cooper Cup, you might you might want to think about Cam Akers if uh if it's a discount. Um, because if one's not doing it for you, the other sure will be. Yeah. Uh but that's that's hinging on how well Stafford and that's the problem is like I don't like the idea of being pigeon-toed by Matt Stafford in in my decisions. No. So, so I, I had, Oh yeah, please go ahead, Tom. I was going to throw just a couple of names at you and just do like a lightning round of okay. up and like thumb up thumb down and again, just a couple of quick names here. Uh-oh. I know For, which one you're going to start with and and I I already have mixed feelings. Thumb up, oh. thumb down, Tyreek Hill. Good year, uh, bad year. Thumb up. Uh, I'm actually okay. Yeah. So just quickly, I'll just mention that Mike McDaniel's is the new head coach there. He was the he's a Shanahan guy. He was with San Francisco. He I think they're going to use him like Debo Samuel, mitigate tight to his arms issues. They're going to just get him open in space. He's Tyreek Hill. Don't like just don't expect him to be Kansas City Tyreek Hill. He's going to be still very good, but he's going to be limited by a quarterback. So he'll be good, but he's not going to be like top tier. Gotcha. I actually have a thumbs down on him. Okay. And only because I have a thumbs down on the entire Miami team right now, just because Stephen uh, Stephen Ross wanted to tank. And the only reason, (laughs) and the only reason they didn't get in trouble is because uh, their head coach decided to sue them and therefore because he wasn't willing to play ball over this he's not getting in trouble but the reality was that if uh none of that came to light if none of that happened they would be tanking the season and regardless of if they're getting pieces for another season i just don't know if i believe in tua uh to do or produce anything we've seen some bad practice videos um and and again Tyreek could be doing everything in his fucking power to make shit happen and if the if Tua can't do shit neither can he and that's well, I, I will say now you've pissed off Tua non so <laughs> it's okay it's okay man you know what they they got to start being a little skeptical too man maybe we should get them one of those uh $150,000 TVs I'm I'm actually therapy in front of I'm not as down on t- Tua Tagovailoa than you guys are. I think he'll make it work in that offense. He's not who people think he is based on Alabama, but in that Shanahan quick throw offense, he can survive. I think yeah. he can survive. He'll be a West Coast quarterback. Yeah, which is about, which can be efficient. How about DK Metcalf? Thumb up, thumb down. Uh, yeah. Thumbs down. Talents there, but Drew Locke, Geno Smith, I just don't trust it on a consistent basis. He'll he will be the guy who has blow up games. He'll have thirty points, and then he's going to get two the next week. So I I don't even see that. I 
I see him being double teamed like crazy, and there's no, no, there's, still have there's, no there's, there, there's Tyler Lockett, but those are literally the only offensive weapons at this point. True. Depending on how how much Ken Walker can light things up, like they they ain't got much else going on. So I, I, I'm avoiding Seattle probably entirely, which could be a mistake, and they could end up being yeah, they could end up being one of those teams that scores garbage points and all that. So. I feel but, much better yeah. letting other te- other players, other other people in the league making those risks for me. Thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, Terry McLaurin, Washington. Very, very high. Very thumbs up. Uh, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz may not be a great quarterback, but he can feed a wide receiver. You saw Michael Pittman take a huge step forward last year in Indianapolis. Terry's already a cemented receiver, just got an extension. Number one guy in an offense that's going to throw the ball a lot because they'll probably be behind um, all in on Terry McLaurin. Gatto? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much the same. Uh, though maybe a little less optimistic, but I I, I still think he's he's got to be Carson Wentz's number one. Um, though, who is, who's the tight end at Washington now? Logan Thomas. He's Logan coming, off an, coming off an ACL too, so. Never mind. And he's yeah, not yeah. a true tight end either. He's a... Like he's a converted quarterback. quarterback, Virginia Tech. Yep. Yeah, he's I saw eight. him at a bar one time. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Did you punch him? No, he's bigger than me. Oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> he's six six. He's six six two sixty. Probably a good idea. Yeah, I'm very uh, much not that any of those numbers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Terry's gonna get a big target share, so I think they're gonna they're gonna throw it to him a lot. Last one, Michael Thomas, Saints. Sums all the way up. I'm buying Michael Thomas stock in pretty much any draft I can get. His average draft position is around the eighth, ninth round right now. You're talking about a guy who was a consistent first round pick. Yeah, he's been out. Is he the same? He look. He's been looking good in practice. They're gonna throw the ball a fuck ton in New Orleans. Uh, yeah, give me, give me, give me all the Michael Thomas I can buy. If his now, if his position starts creeping up. And he starts going in round four or five, then I'm going to be a little bit less optimistic. But mm-hmm. at his current position, give me everything I got. Gatto. Um, you know the fact that there's the risky, the riskiness of Winston, and also the riskiness of Kamara. You have to wonder he's got to be their their best offensive weapon, most reliable offensive weapon. So he'll be the workhorse of that offense for sure. Yeah. Um, the other the other options, just to add to that point, Chris Olave, who they just drafted, and then Land- and Jarvis Landry, who's had a couple of mediocre years in Cleveland, and he plays like an older person too. Jarvis though is a good late out late round option, like last few rounds of the draft. I mean, because there's something about a homecoming that can bring out the best in some guys, and you know, obviously he's from the Louisiana area, so that's kind of play, special for playing him for the Saints. True. But I was going to say, Gato, to add to your point, like Landry is a former number one wide receiver. Chris Olave runs like a, a limit. Yeah, well, I, I forgot about Olave, actually. Um, so, yeah. so, so to your point, there's not a lot of options to be able to just double team one of those guys because if it's just – if it's Thomas and then Landry on the outside, you put Olave in the slot, it's wrecking crew right there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think my biggest worry is a uh, not healthy Jameis Winston, and you know that's the big that's the big question mark here for this team because they've had a lot of issues over quarterback uh, since Drew Brees is gone. So we're gonna who is who is their backup there? Is it Andy Dalton? Q, you're muted. 
Andy Dalton is the backup. Uh, Taysom Hill is their kind of change of pace guy. So yeah, yeah. Andy, yeah, Andy the whole Dalton, Taysom Hill thing confused the shit out of me last year. I I don't think they're gonna use him as much now. He was a fucking Sean Payton thing. I don't get it. Um, but yeah, I, I think Andy Dalton. Listen, you can do a lot worse as a backup quarterback than Andy Dalton. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think they have a couple of guys here that there's recognizable names if you watch college football, like KJ Costello, Ian Book. Um, but they're all these guys are going to be serving you at a CC's Pizza in five years. Uh, sucks. I was high on Costello when he was in college. I liked him a lot. Um, how did how do you guys? So my number four guy is Stephon Diggs. I think Diggs is going to have a fucking monster year. Um, wide receiver seven last season, which was kind of low for him. Uh, but I mean, you're talking about that offense is top three in the league. It's dirty. We're How fully do you build on the bills? <laughs> yeah, I, I just I can't find anything wrong with uh, the fucking bills here. The 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 one thing I would say is there might be a value pick um, from Buffalo that you can get later. Ooh, on. I know I know who you're gonna. He's I, my sleeper, Gatto. So go ahead, please. I think I think everybody is is kind of pilled on him too. Gabriel Davis. Yes, um, you're getting him later if if he's there. I think he ends up going early because everyone feels this way. I, there's not anybody that doesn't. Um, but like you know, if, if if you can't get to, depending on where you are in in uh, the draft, you know you can't get to uh, Stefan. He's definitely the next best thing. Um, so actually, I, and I have a third on that one. <laughs> well, let me let me let me say this on Gabriel Davis first because this is this, I, I I am I am like. He is my draft obsession this year. So, like, he's oh, my guy too. that I'm rolling with. <laughs> I, I have him in a keeper league. I'm keeping him for a ninth-round pick. I'm very happy about it because his draft position has been going crazy lately. He's going in, like, round five, six now. Last year, this is per Matthew Berry, the great Matthew Berry, 98th in total targets last year. So, 97 more players got more targets than him. Top five last year in red zone targets. Yeah, and he's, he's looking fucking boy. sharp right now in in preseason too. He's the he. They said he's the no doubt number two guy. Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley are gone. That is a hell of a lot of targets. That because a lot of people were worried because he didn't have a huge target share last year. I'm not worried about that. There, those are a lot of targets that are up for grab. Josh Allen's going to throw the ball a fuck ton. James Cook is there, so he could take some. They like McKenzie. They like uh, uh, Jamison Crowder and all that. But Gabriel Davis. Buy yourself some Gabriel Davis. And, and here's the thing: if you can't get either of those two guys, all right, this is this is going to help somebody out there win a fucking league. You're going for Dawson Knox next. Ooh. Tight end. Dawson Ooh. Knox. That is my. That is my. In in case you know, break glass in case of emergency. You want something from this Bills offense. You need a piece. Uh, Dawson Dawson Knox is my tight end coming off. I'm, that I'm team. gonna especially I'm if gonna, you can't get one of the earlier round tight ends. I'm gonna talk about Dawson Knox a little bit later. I do not feel the same way. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So um also Drake London, uh another sleeper. Uh he's going as wide receiver forty eight right now. The Atlanta Falcons, they're gonna throw the ball a lot. They suck. Their defense is horrible. Uh Russell Gage is gone, Calvin Ridley's out for the year. He was a top 10 pick compared to Mike Evans. He's got that size. Red zone targets. I mean, you're talking about a guy who you're probably going to get in the double-digit rounds who could end up becoming, you know, a top 15 receiver this year. Easy because of just the volume that they're going to throw to him. So, so okay. So, uh, 
I got a question for you guys, and I don't know where this goes because these aren't these aren't going to be breakouts. Um, it, well, it all depends. Uh, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, right? The Jets uh, guys, yeah. Yes, Jets receivers. Zach, uh, Zach Wilson ends up with um, a meniscus tear. He's getting he got surgery tomorrow. He's getting surgery tomorrow, I believe. Better than expected. Everyone was saying that he he tore his his ACL. So it looked pretty gnarly though. So I wouldn't yeah. doubt there's more damage and scar tissue in there than right. they're letting on. Right. Um, That's what happens when Jesus takes the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, my, my question. <laughs> God damn it, that's good. Um, my question for you guys: um, do Do you think that right now, in one of the rankings I'm looking at, they are going 24-25, actually back to back? Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. Um, even though I think Elijah Moore would be the guy I would target. Um, do you guys feel that they stay where they are? Um, or do they drop now because of this? They have to drop. They have to drop. But do you, do you know who the backup quarterback is? Mike White or Joe Flacco? Flacco. Joe Flacco. Yeah, they're definitely dropping none. So I don't know, man. I don't. I'm not really unless it's in like a keeper or a dynasty. I'm not really that interested in uh, any of them. I'm more interested in Brees Hall, the running back there, and Michael Brees Carter. Hall. Brees Hall, yeah. yeah. Um, I like my, I like Brees Hall a lot. I loved him pre- draft. So, um, yeah, like in, in like a dynasty or keeper league, I love uh, definitely those guys late. Uh, but I, I just listen. I, I don't I don't know. I, I like Elijah Moore a lot. I love the players. It's just that number one, Zach Wilson already made me nervous because of like you know I thought he was gonna have a good year, but like you know you you have to kind of see it to believe it. Joe Flacco. I don't know what this guy's got left in the tank at this point. So. Not elite. Though, though they fan do of the show, not one. elite. Yeah, not elite. <laughs> Definitely not. Here's the thing that I I typically have a problem with is I I get very hesitant. And again, this goes back to that consistency piece that I talk about. I get very hesitant of drafting guys from offenses that have not proven that they can put it together from one yep. year to the next. True. And I mean, when you have a quarterback that goes down a couple years in a row, or they have turnover with coaches and the, the reason for the firing was offensively offensive related. Like, I don't know. I, I, the jets have always been a team that I've been very, very scared of even going back to the Rex Ryan days of like San Antonio Holmes and Braylon Edwards, when they had a bunch of players, it's just like the pieces there just don't make any sense. And until they do, I'm not in on them. The, the reason I say that is because after like in these rankings and in that in the draft, when you're going through the draft at that point, um, the wide receivers in this area, and and if you're like me and you're drafting running backs early, your tight end, you're trying to get a top five tight end, um, you you're gonna come across this period where after Gabriel Davis and uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, you have Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. Alan Lazard, Marquise Brown, Terry McLaurin, Drake London, Jalen Waddle. None of those why is, names. Why is Terry McLaurin so low? I, you know what, like, but that's the thing. Like, I don't know. Like, besides Alan Lazard, Terry McLaurin, like a lot of those other guys that are in this area, I just, I, Bra- I wonder about why they're there. You know, well, like, Brandon Cooks is like an automatic 
15 to 20 points every week though because he just they they don't have anything else there they just throw at him so i, I guess but they they also don't have a quarterback that i yeah it doesn't matter i don't it, uh, brandon cooks, right. brandon cooks is dude look he at makes brandon it work cooks last year he just fucking gets points man that's all he does is just the, get points so it's just that whole middle there just worries the shit out of me and then Gatto. down in like the 40s i have that same problem after like tyler board Boyd and Christian Kirk. Sorry. Sorry, Tom. Well, no, 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 you're fine. Is Adam Thielen floating around in there? I love Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen is and and uh where is he in this in this buy, buy Adam Thielen stock? Buy Minnesota if I can't if I haven't fucking said it enough oh. already, buy Minnesota Viking stock this year. The Thielen's actually he's he's being in these rankings that I'm looking at, these are coming off of the athletic, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have him down at 40. Yeah, um, so I'm looking at Sporting News right now, and they have stupid. him at 39. So, I mean, I know that you are saying there's not a whole lot of meat there on that bone at that time frame, but if we're going back to consistency and offenses that have proven that they can work, Adam Thielen is on the other side of Justin Jefferson, and anything that Jefferson doesn't get Thielen's gonna get, and he's Thielen, tall enough to Thielen, catch end zone touchdowns too. Thielen yeah. was wide receiver twenty eight last year, so um, they have him below uh, where he was last year. But you mentioned Jalen Waddle; he is my guy who I think is going to disappoint this year. Oh yeah. So wide receiver twenty two is ranking right now. He was wide receiver thirteen last year, so they actually are a little bit down on him, and I I understand why. New offense is going to be more run heavy. It's the Shanahan offense, but Tyree kills there. Look at, I want to talk about his numbers last year. 104 catches, 1,015 yards. He averaged 9.8 yards per catch, which for a deep threat is kind of low. And again, it speaks to Tua of low, right? What are the chances that he's going to replicate 104 catches with Tyree kill there? Probably pretty low, right? Who are the other options? Other than Ty- 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 Tyreek Hill, and, and this is why the, uh, Mike Gesicki a tight end, and uh, I think uh, I, I don't I don't really know the other receivers for uh, who else was there. But you know what this this goes back to the the discussion oh. on Tyreek Hill. Oh, oh, quickly, Chase Edmonds signed at running back, and he's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. Mm. Yeah. Um. The the thing, the thing about. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the, thing about, the thing about Tyreek Hill um, is actually I see, you know, everybody's going to be trying to cover Tyreek Hill. I don't know how successful they're going to be, but that might leave Jalen Waddle open significantly more. Right? Very possible. That, and very and possible. that's one of the yeah. things, one of the things that makes me very picky about my wide receivers is sometimes when there's such, such an obvious one, like, you know, that defenses are going to be like you know swarming all over them and they're just going to have very unproductive days especially if their quarterback isn't someone that knows how to make production happen yeah like, like two, oh god two is gonna hate two anon's gonna hate me i don't but, uh, i don't really care because like i mean like you know the, it's hard to get excited about to a tug of a low i mean he just he hasn't shown anything this year so i in the last few years so I, and plus the miami dolphins drafting him over justin herbert is just so funny because it's I mean, just you know, I was I actually like I was I was a big, I was big on him when he came out of, uh, <laughs> out of college. I thought like yeah he could be a piece for Miami that would work. And... So, 
let me give you a little context too because i was too in my keeper league so the way that the keeper league works is wherever you draft a player you can keep them the next year but you have to you have to give up a pick two rounds above so someone had drafted herbert in the 11th round so the following year when he was a top five quarterback you keep him for a ninth rounder i drafted to a, a pick before herbert because i said i was deciding between the two oh, and man. i said my as my third quarterback i said two is going to play right away and he's probably going to be one of those scrappy you know fucking quick fire quarterbacks and i herbert was kind of down on him coming out of oregon he wasn't playing as well and i'm like he's got all is he the next paxton lynch so yeah so i would have been able to still keep him this year for i think a seventh round pick so i'm I'm kind of burnt about that so yeah yeah man uh, I, just... I wanted to talk about Devonte adams okay let's do Wh- wide receiver two last year moving from green bay to Las Vegas playing with his college quarterback. They both played at Fresno same time. Do you think that he has a chance with Derek Carr to be wide receiver two this year? No. I mean, just because the top, like the top three or three of this list are, you know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jeffries, uh, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson. <laughs> you know something Jeff- about Justin Jefferson. You just can't. I don't know why. Yeah, dude. It's, call him JJ. JJ. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. so let's play a little I, game. Let's play a little game. Devontae Adams or Stephon Diggs. Ooh. Gatto. I. I'll- I'll take Devonte Adams on that one. Okay. I will, but that's because I'm so pilled on Gabriel Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Devonte Adams or give uh, me Stephon Adams. Diggs. Okay, Devonte Adams or Debo Samuel. Ooh, Trey Lance, the quarterback now. No more I Jimmy see. G. I see a dip in production for Debo this year. I agree. Even, even though I love Debo. I didn't love the off-season craziness mm-hmm. that went on. It just seemed a little insane. But um, mm-hmm. like a- as a player, I mean, he's he literally puts his everything into the fucking game. Yeah, That's like no one tries harder on a fucking field than that guy. Um, so between yeah. him and him and Devante, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I still I think I still take Devante actually. Devante, yeah, I would. I would too. Devonte or Mike Evans? Devonte. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not pilled on. So we're all pretty uh, wide receivers. From well, yeah. well. To be fair, <laughs> match up Devonte Adams as a number two wide receiver or the wide receiver two comparative to the people who are currently at the top of that list. Like, give me a Justin Jefferson okay. versus Devonte Adams or Jamar Chase or well. Even a CD Lamb, like yeah. oh, we haven't talked about CD Lamb either. Someone I wanted to bring up. <laughs> no more Cooper. Michael Gallup is on pup. James Washington got hurt in practice. He's gonna get a big target share. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually it's funny. Um, let's yeah, let's just dive right into him right now because CD Lamb. One one person we didn't talk about was Dak Prescott. 
who has always been a decent um, backup quarterback that I've liked to I've liked to roster in the ba- in the past. Um, I I don't know. I I see him have it. He's he's got to be the one that's getting the lion shares. I just don't know if I want to buy in at such a high price. However, there's a good chance, especially if Ezekiel Elliott uh, gets injured or can't produce, that it's just going to be the Lamb and uh, Pollard show. So yeah, it, it's it's a it's a serious question. Um, I. I... As far as it goes, though, I mean, I don't have to think too hard about it. CD Lamb is just easy. Dak Prescott for me is an easy top ten quarterback. He's a quarterback one. If you're playing in a ten or twelve league, um, I, it's a set and forget it. I, I wouldn't worry too much, especially because remember last year Dak was coming off the knee injury. Um, he's in much better shape now, so I think the running will. I think he'll get more rushing touchdowns than he did last year. So I think he'll kind of mix that in. As a Giants fan, it's such a bummer. Um, it is that Dak Prescott's on the Cowboys because I actually really like Dak Prescott as a player. I think yep. that's the problem with the Cowboys in general because they always draft the guys that you liked in college, and they have to go there and play against your favorite team. And- Loved Ceedee Lamb. Loved yeah. Ceedee Lamb. Wanted him very badly on the Giants, and yeah, and of and course. If- I think there. that shows a lot of confidence in the Cowboys that they have in CeeDee Lamb if they just let Amari Cooper walk with no questions asked. Like, thanks for coming. They they couldn't afford him. And, like, it's just I, – I get it, but it's like – But we've seen out teams, in their favor, to be honest. Yeah, we've yeah. seen teams restructure and do all these things to keep players there, but – Well, they, they needed to – they needed to oh, – I forgot who it was they needed to resign, but, it, that yeah. I don't know, man. It's just it, – it seems like it's – it's going to be a problem without I, I listen, I, I, I have all the faith that the Cowboys are going to do what they do every year. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they're going to win 12, 13 games and then they're going to lose in the first round to somebody. So I have the hottest take for you, by the way. Ooh, I love hot takes. If we're ha- still having this conversation about, um, Devonte Adams. Yeah. Give me Mike Williams over Devonte Adams. Wow. Whoa! Not even Keenan Allen. You went for Mike Williams. Yeah, because yeah. Mike Williams is the younger guy, and also too, you look at the number of touchdowns that Justin Herbert has thrown in his first two years, comparative to the touchdowns that Derek Carr has been throwing. Yeah, I. Yeah, uh, injuries are more of a concern for Mike Williams than, and he kind of faded towards the end of the year. Uh, he was real hot in the beginning of the season. He he was real bad in the end of the year so i think that um, that that went that team though to be fair true but uh no but i actually never even really kind of put the the cap on Devontae adams i'm not really worried about the change at all um i know rogers is kind of a kingmaker when it comes to receivers he he makes a lot of these receivers and like Jordy Nelson didn't went somewhere else and didn't make it. And same thing with Brandon Cobb. He was Cobb. older, though. He was older. Um, but I, I, I'm not really worried because of the college connection. They, they both were really good in college. So I think there's a reason why they have a good relationship. So I, but that I think was ten years ago, though. That doesn't mean doesn't mean you lose that. It's like riding a bike sometimes. I mean, I, I think if Devontae went to a lot of other places, 
um, his his stock would have dropped significantly. If Devontae like, Adams the went one to the place Giants. where it went up. Yeah, if he went to the Giants, <laughs> uh, even if he went to a place like New England, I think that yeah, I'd be a lot so lower. Yeah, I would be, be terrified if he went to New England. Yeah, yeah, he would just never smile again. Um, <laughs> the only reason why I I am interested in Mike Williams over Devonte Adams is like I think it's fair to say that Derek Carr is a good quarterback. He has times where he can be a great quarterback, but he's not a year in year out week in week out great quarterback and he's not a guy who's thrown like the number of touchdown passes and the number of yards granted their quarterback their wide receiver options were not as good but I don't know I just again I don't think it's a detriment to Devontae Adams and his ability I think it's more so just an acknowledgement that what San Diego sorry the LA Chargers have is something that's really special. And I think we can do both. We can acknowledge that Devonte Adams and Derek Carr are going to be really good while at the same time in division, there's another team that can be better than them. So my only thing with Los Angeles is that there are a lot more mouths to feed than there are in Vegas. Uh, the, you know, the run game, when you talk about Austin Eckler, you talk about um, I, you know Isaiah Spiller and all those guys. And then, you know, I think there's just more amount, especially with Keenan Allen. I mean, Keenan Allen is still technically the number one guy. I'm always going to lean more towards the number one receiver in in that scenario, unless you think Mike Williams is the number one receiver over Keenan Allen. I mean, this is the first year that Mike Williams. Last year was the first year that Mike Williams was able to play a full season. So, sure, I think that was also, a first round pick. He so. was a first round pick um, on that national championship Clemson team. I, I don't think that people are giving Hunter Renfro the kind of due that he's going to get over this upcoming year because he it's different roles though. He's like, he's a slot guy and different roles, but at the same time too, Wes Welker was able to take catches away from other guys on the new England team or even that Broncos team. So let me, exactly. let me say this then. If they don't make it work with Devontae Adams, it is the most catastrophic trade anybody has ever made. In the it's a big fuck-up, yeah, on their part. Yeah, and people I mean, will lose their jobs. I mean, to Tom's point, though, I, I do think Hunt, uh, Hunter Renfro's stock does go up because of oh, Devontae yeah. Adams. Hell yeah. Because especially in the fact that it becomes the bust that we are just talking about hypothesizing right. it being, which I don't really see it actually being the case, but um, if it if it does, you know, someone oh, like right. Hunter Renfro ends up being the number one guy there, especially if yeah. Darren Waller can't keep healthy again. I'm um, down on Darren Waller. He's not even in my he's not my top five ranking for tight ends. Oh, interesting. I, I do I have, don't have him. I got to ask, how are you guys feeling about A.J. Brown now that he's in Philadelphia? Meh. Stock down. Um, Stock down. Devontae Smith, I think, is going to probably get the lion's share. I think A.J. Brown's going to get a lot of coverage shaded towards him. and But it, it comes down to Hurts. If Hurts takes that next step, then I think better. He's a guy that I'm probably – I don't remember who we were talking about, but it was uh, pretty much like I'm going to let somebody else make that mistake if it's okay. a mistake. Or yeah. you know what? it I, might, might look bad on me that I could have gotten him in the third round. He ends up being a top two receiver. I don't think it's going to happen because I'm looking at these are the athletic stats and uh, I, I see DJ Moore at 12, AJ Brown, 13, Keenan Allen, 14, Michael Pittman, 15. I take and all of those guys over AJ Brown taking all even DJ Moore. Yeah. 
Interesting. Number one receiver on that team. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Ben McAdoo's the, the offensive coordinator. People shit on Ben McAdoo for how bad he was as the Giants head coach. He revitalized Eli Manning's career towards the end of the, the season, and OBJ was very, very good in that offense. So, And I will say, too, about A.J. Brown, if you look at his numbers in Tennessee, that's kind of like the baseline of what an average NFL wide receiver is. 1,000 yards. Yeah. People don't give D.J. more well, credit. And I, and I think, good. though, a lot of people are are expecting A.J. Brown to, to now – do better because he's got a better quarterback. I don't see it. He went from a top three rushing offense team, a team that runs the ball a lot, to a top three, to the number one rushing team and a team that doesn't throw the ball a lot. So he literally went from one team to the next that's exactly the same. Maybe a better quarterback if you like Jalen Hurts more than Ryan Tannehill. It's the same thing. He's going to have to make chunk plays. And the one thing that Jalen Hurts is not great at is throwing the ball super deep, right? Like mm-hmm. those really deep bombs that AJ Brown lived off of. So he's going to have to work as like a, a yards after the catch guy, and it's going to be primarily harder. Uh, but he does have a lot more around him. Devontae Smith and and I like uh, the tight end there. I can't remember his name. Goddard. 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 Dallas Goddard. Yep. Thank you. But let's let's talk about tight ends. Because Travis Kelsey is not my number one tight end. Oh, look at you. That's, that's become a very consistent thing, I think, across a lot of boards. Um, he's still going to get his, though. He is a, he's about as close to number one as you can get without being number one. I, I say he's, he's, you know, he's older. He's now going to be more focused as the person to cover um, in the games. So he definitely does drop. But I would still take him over like a TJ Hawkinson or a Zach Ertz. Oh, he's he's a clear cut number two for me. Um and like it's close. Okay. But Mark Mark Andrews last year, tight end he was tight end one last year by a decent margin. Um he was quarterback proof, man. Even with Ty, uh, some of his best games were when uh Snoop Huntley came in. Now you get a healthy Lamar back. I think he took the next step last year. That offense was really centered around him. You know, they got Rashad Bateman, a couple other guys there. Hollywood Brown's gone. Rashad Bateman is a sleeper for me, too. I like Rashad Bateman a lot. Um, I think that Andrews is just going to be the focal point of the passing game. And uh, I just I love him this year. Kelsey is my really close number two, I think, with Hill gone. He is going to be more focused, but he's also going to get a lot more targets. So and And he's also you know what you have to trade off when you get him in comparison if you're like okay if you're if you're maybe like the 10th spot or the 12th spot in the league maybe maybe you think about getting him if everything else good is gone at that point but like is it really worth it i don't know it, it especially when i think that there's some guys that are later on in this draft that might end up uh doing pretty well um Specific, like I said, I I, I am kind of higher on Dawson Knox than you are. Um, Goder yeah, again he's, comes back up. So so let's talk about Dawson Knox for a second. He is he is a guy that I think is going to bust this year, and the reason why is touchdown regression. So Fantasy Pros had a good stat: target rate per route uh, run was fourteen percent, which was significantly lower than most of the top tier tight ends. He ranked out as tight end 11 last year. He's being ranked as tight end 11 this year. So 
I don't know if it's really a bust because like he's not being drafted as a top 10 tight end, but people are, are going to assume Buffalo means, uh, you know, he's just going to score a lot because of the offense and it's possible he could match the nine touchdowns, but he'd have to do that. He'd have to match that touchdown total to get where he was. You think about that. He was tight in 11 with nine touchdowns. So like most, if you get nine touchdowns as a tight end, most of the time you're going to assume they were a top five guy. He wasn't. So now you have to, and now he's going to be competing with Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder, James Cook coming out of the backfield. Um, who I, I'm very high on as like a mid round running back sleeper. I I like him a lot. I'm a big fan. I like him in real life more than fantasy. Um, I just can't justify putting him as my tight end one and just set it like a set it and forget it type guy to where like Kyle Pitts, who's my number three guy, he's going to be the number one option in Atlanta. And he was my pick. Yeah. I'd say, I, just, I wanted interesting. It just I look at Kyle Pitts and like he was he had a catch percentage that was up with like wide receivers. So in a team that's going to throw the ball a lot, him and Drake London are really the only guys there. Give me a Kyle Pitts over a Dawson Knox. Any I, day of the week. I just worry because it's Mariota. But I mean, I, like my my top two are actually Mark Andrews and Dalton Schultz. Dalton wow. Schultz is my number four. So I'm, I'm right there with you, by the way, tight end three last year. It's Dalton Schultz. And. Same rule applies to that C.D. Lamb rule, that he's going to get a lot of targets. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you feel about Irv Smith Jr.? Love him. He's a he's a great sleeper. Um, he He's a great sleeper. I think he's going to be a guy that gets drafted later. And But he's dealing with an injury right now, so we kind of want to see how that shakes out. Um, I'm going to give you my sleeper for tight end, and you're going to laugh, Gatto. I want to see if you can guess who it is because I'm saying that you're going to laugh. I, I know who it is. And uh, you know what? It's not it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. Um, What's it say for for who it is? It's it's Evan Ingram. It is Evan Ingram. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a stat here from Matthew Berry, the great and talented Matthew Berry. During Doug Peterson's tenure in Philly. okay, Four out of the five years, their tight ends led in target share and tight end fantasy points. As a group, he's ranked as tight end 27 right now, hmm. which is in a two team league. He's not even a backup tight end. We saw him score a touchdown in the preseason game. He has a relationship with Trevor Lawrence at this point. It seems like they're on the same page. He's going to draw passes. And I'm not telling you to take him in, in the fucking fifth round. He's going to be a, one of your last picks, maybe a waiver wire guy, but he's a guy to keep an eye on because he is super athletic, and I think a lot of the problems that he had was they were trying to play him in, in New York like a receiver, and that's not what he does. He's better put him on a crossing route, you know, put him on a screen, let him just get throw a quick throw to him so he doesn't have to try and catch the ball over the middle of the field and let him run. So those were some of his best plays. He's a guy that I would not be shocked at the end of the year if he walks away with 10 touchdowns. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I feel like his uh, his story arc has been taking some time, and I f- like many players, their progression is really indicative of who is playing behind the center. And unfortunately, Ingram's is one where 
you know, even if he was with an all pro or a pro bowl quarterback, it would have taken some, him some time to acclimate to the league just because his game is kind of unique, but having such inconsistency at the quarterback position and then having inconsistency at the coaching position really impacts these guys in more ways than people think. And, you know, the neck was a quarterback for the giants last year and that did nobody any favors. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well. Yeah. I think it's expectations, right? Like you mm-hmm. can't expect him to be a top five tight end, but the fact that he's like, not even being considered as a draftable player at all is kind of surprising to me considering Doug Peterson's history there. And, uh, you know, you saw guys in Philly, the Philly special. I can't even remember the guy's name who was the tight end. Um, can I can't even remember his name. Zach Ertz. No, no. It was the backup tight end for Philadelphia back then. He was the one who threw the pass. To oh, uh, to uh, Nick Folk, uh, Nick Foles. He was a kind of a smaller guy. Um, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But like, they had usable guys. If Zach Ertz was out, even the backup was pretty usable in, in Philadelphia during his tenure. So, I think when you look at like guys that are gonna make, and especially we talked about tight ends at the beginning of this, that like they are so difficult to get somebody that's gonna get you consistent points. Jacksonville is going to throw the ball a fuck ton. They're going to be a bad, they're probably going to be a bad team year one. They're probably not going to be great. And he's going to be starting. And by the way, on a one year prove it deal. So if he's banking on hoping to get a long term deal somewhere, he's going to have to show out. And they gave him $10 million. So they honestly do value him at some point. So he's going to be the starter. What's a good um, year for him? Like, give me some numbers. So if he can walk away with like 40 catches for like 60, 600 yards and then like eight or nine touchdowns, that's like a fucking insane year. He had Mm -hmm. eight touchdowns in his rookie season. Yeah. I think that's why we all thought he was going to be great. And then the drops just became an issue. But a lot of the drops were on like go routes. The the problem was the the drops were always like the deflections into interceptions. Yeah. Like like, they were these game, they were the game winning or game changing Philadelphia. And, and he just had like, he had no, yeah, he had no, um, it it was like clutch factor whatsoever. And they they said that, like, I think Daniel Jones had like 12 or 13 interceptions last year. And they said like seven or eight of them were because of Evan Ingram, Mm -hmm. like when they were throwing. So like, again, I'm not saying that he's a great tight end, but they also like the way to use an Evan Ingram is to get him in space. Don't have him going against a corner or a safety. Put him on a crossing route, put him on a screen, do a quick throw, and then let him use his feet to get, you know, to get yards. Right. Yeah. And and I guess the one thing I worry is that if he brings that like confidence shattering ability to uh Jacksonville with Trevin Trevor Lawrence. Oh, he's going to be in deep shit. Yeah, he's going to destroy that kid. Yeah. No, and, and trust me, this but this, the the one thing I'm saying though is that like this is a low risk, potentially high reward. I still don't think much of him as a player, and he would be a better fantasy option than a real life tight end cuz like he really is just would be a bona fide like red zone target at that point. So Yeah. yeah. Um Okay, here's here's one that I got to ask you about because I've seen a few breakout conversations around 
around him and it gets into sure. a larger conversation that I don't think we've had, but I'd like to have. And yep. that's uh, Pat, Pat Freemuth from Pat Pittsburgh. Freemuth. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you guys and, feel about him? And then how do you guys feel about Pittsburgh, the offense in general? We didn't really get into this, and I think we we probably should talk a little bit about it. Touch butt button. cheeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I just dis- I disagree. Um, I'm actually going to disagree, Tom. Tom, tell me why you think it's going to be butt cheeks. They don't have a quarterback. Yeah, I agree with that. So you're doing the thing that I do every single year, and I'm wrong every single year, and I'm betting against my Tomlin. You don't bet against my Tomlin. Mike Tomlin has been a coach in, for the Pittsburgh Steelers for 15 seasons. Guess how many losing seasons? Guess he's, how many losing seasons he's had? Zero. Yeah. Fucking zero. He's had close ones. He's gone 500. He's he also had the, the same quarterback year. for those 15 years too. And Tom. he's also a huge fan of the pod. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, he's he's pilled. Let's be serious, Tom. Are you saying there's a huge gap between Ben Roethlisberger last year? And Mitch Trubisky. See, this is dangerous logic. Yeah, let's be careful the, about the this pa- because parts and components have changed. I'm talking about I'm talking about year. I'm talking about fantasy from a fantasy perspective. Ben Roethlisberger looked old last year. Well, Mitch didn't play last year, so yeah, he didn't. But now you're I, canceled. I watched I watched <laughs> Mitch Trubisky. I watched the Steelers preseason game the other day. He looked pretty sharp. One issue that Trubisky had in his career was throwing to his left. You looked at his numbers, throwing to the center of the field, throwing to the right of the field, all like 60% right around there. Throw to the left, it was like 27%. He was making a lot of throws to his left. And again, it's preseason. I'm not reading too much into it. I have faith that Trubisky or Pickett couldn't can be game manager. But I don't know if they have dominant enough players to carry the team in that regard so, I, I think Deontay is good I will Deontay Johnson is he's good. is very solid and George Pickens their rookie out of Georgia wide receiver is my like second draft crush and he's going to be I think he's going to be a superstar receiver eventually. See, under, but under normal circumstances I would say sure like you got those guys on the team that's good but the problem is is Najee Harris is a good running back, but he's not a Sean Alexander that can carry the team the whole way or a Derrick Henry. Not yet. Anyway, I'm not saying that he's not going to be that guy. I think the game manager title is good for a quarterback. If you know, there's a top four or top well, three running back so that run the show. Let me, let me, let me ask you this then, Tom, because you seem to be high on Najee Harris. You mentioned him specifically. How do you think Najee Harris is going to be successful if you don't think that the offense can move? I'm not saying that I don't think the offense can move. My concern is when – Use the word sh- butt cheeks. Well, I think the problem is is that you have Mason Rudolph who started games and has not inspired anybody. Right. You have Mitch- I, I, don't, Mitch- I don't believe in him either. You have Mitch Trubisky, which, to be fair, was given a really raw deal in Chicago. And 100%. They abused him to the point where he had no confidence. But also, Kenny Pickett is a guy there who people had questions about. He was also, 
he started a lot of games in college and people asked the questions, well, if you're this good, why aren't you in the pros? He, but he had more touchdowns in his senior year at Pittsburgh than he did the, the previous three years combined. So, okay. so with all that, hang on one second. So with all that being said, I think they don't have, they don't have like a, a foundationally good quarterback. Like if they had an Alex Smith from 2009, I'd feel way more comfortable or 2012. Okay. I feel way more comfortable, but until one of those guys shows that they can just like manage that game, I'm still not sold. So Sorry, are you Donald, dropping, are you dropping Steelers receivers below where they were, where you would normally draft them if they had Ben Roethlisberger on the team? So if, ben, if big Ben I, was still here, to be would fair, you drop them lower? To be fair, I haven't picked up a, uh, a, a Pittsburgh receiver probably in like three, four seasons. Which is funny though, because the Steelers are consistently one of the best wide receiver oh, yeah. drafting teams. Don't get me wrong. The, yeah. the Steelers are an excellent team and they always have talent and they make it work. The thing about it that I think Tom's initial reaction was quarterback, right? And I would have to argue that Mitch Trubisky was the, or is one of the closest in Big Benish style play um, to come in. So it made sense why they decided to bring him in. Um, I worry, though, that those flaws, the things that like Big Ben was known for, the slow release, holding on to the ball too long, those issues are also issues that Trubisky has. So it's basically like, you know, I do, I do, same and day, different, you know, same yeah, day, that... different, or di different story, same day, whatever. I agree with that. Different day. Yeah. Different day. And the offensive line. And the offensive line does make me worry. By the way, because they are, they're not great. And and that's the thing is that their rookie, their backup rookie quarterback is a hometown hero. And I feel like they did it for the feel goodness of it, which is a dumb reason to do anything in football. But we see it all the time. If there's not a better reason than that, I really worry that Kenny Pickett was a novelty appeasement for fans and you're just you're wasting the the rest of the talent on that team and you're hamstringing someone like Najee um because he's going to end up having to do so much work with a shitty offensive line and I worry about the whole thing and don't get me wrong Mike Tomlin I still think is an incredible coach and they'll probably eke out a a few wins. I mean, they still play the Browns every year. Um but it is a tough it is a tough fucking crowd well, in that in that division so well, yeah and that's the thing though is like i think if they had i would feel differently had they not drafted kenny pickett i felt like i think it's fair to say that that pick that selection of kenny pickett felt very forced and complicates things in a sense that if it was just mason rudolph and mitch trubisky i would have more faith in trubisky starting but now you have this first round draft pick in the mix as well and I know the Steelers are not like every other team where they don't feel obligated or like pressured to have to play guys, but there is an added element where this is one of the winningest players in pit history. And I was a Heisman trophy finalist and all these things. And like him being there doesn't change the calculus there. I almost feel like it may have been making up for the mistake of not drafting Dan Marino. Like, yeah. You know, another Pitt Panther that like should have been a Steeler, could have been Terry Bradshaw was like literally got injured in that preseason and was done for his career. But, and 
But this and, would have been one they'd be okay to pass on, though. Yeah, but, I know. But, I know. And that's and that's the thing, though, that is funny about that one because um, it feels like ESPN made that pick for them. Then, if that's yeah. the fucking case. And and on draft day, oh my god, they just kept going back to the fucking kid. Oh, we're getting closer. Wonder if Pittsburgh's gonna take him. Like, I yeah, also think okay. every, everyone was saying Malik Willis was gonna be their guy. I was surprised when they took Pickett. Yeah. We'll come because of the Malik drama, Willis. the story. We'll come story. back to Malik Willis real quick. But I think that is one that also Kenny Pickett's like the amount of time they spend on Kenny Pickett goes to show how shallow the quarterback pool was this year in the NFL draft. But I, I know that we've done quarterbacks and I apologize, but we, we missed this conversation. What week does Malik Willis replace Ryan Tannehill? I don't think he does this year. Damn. If it's happening, it's going to happen sooner than you think like game six. Yeah, he, he looks he looks great. Um, I just don't think that they're gonna make that move because yeah, re- re- remember Tennessee is probably gonna be poised for a playoff spot again, and you don't change stride when you have a and Malik Willis will benefit from sitting. I think he like sitting a year is gonna be great for him. They're gonna use him in certain packages. Uh, I think they're also correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're financially committed to Tannehill for another few years. So they're, it, it just feels like even maybe maybe they should make that move, but they won't. This reminds me very much of a Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco situation, though. Could, could be. Where could they be. need a spark midway through the year and they start Jackson and he, he does what he does. He, he makes plays with his feet and con- connects on the short passes and they win games that way. In, in that sense, it does make sense that if they're a little bit down – but they're not out. Um, mm-hmm. That spark could be could be Malik uh, Willis, and so are are they are they financially committed to Tannehill? They I know that they signed a deal with him, like not this past off season, obviously, but uh, the season before that. So yeah, so this year, yeah, next year they can save. They'd have to eat eighteen million in dead casts. But they would save it's thirty six million, so they would save about eighteen million in cap by cutting him next year. It's They'll still trade him to Washington, though. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that tried and true tradition of just trading your garbage quarterback to the Commanders. Wow. I know I'm right, though. <laughs> yeah, no, you know I, what? I, I do. I can't wait for that to happen. Actually, uh, your boy Howell, by the way, looked pretty good. I know. I saw that message from you, and. I think that he's one that needs to sit for a year and just kind of take it all in because even if um, Carson Wentz gets hurt or does not play well, they still have Taylor Heineke there who can at least be serviceable. Howell is a guy that I I think has a lot of potential, but he needs to well, – his last you, year at Carolina was not good, so he needs to sit for a little bit. I, I You know, I, I told you on, on draft night, you know, we were talking about it, and I said I said that they made – whoever didn't draft Sam Howell, whoever – like let him slip to the fifth round was a, was a big mistake. I'm frankly really surprised, and I don't know if we talked about this on the episode that we talked about. I think we did draft, for a little bit. Yeah. But I am shocked that Carolina didn't take him because he's also a Charlotte kid too. He was a, he was a, in my mind, he was a, at worst, a late second round, a late second rounder, but he was also the youngest guy. Most of these guys that came out, Kenny Pickett's 24 already. Yeah. And most of these guys were 23, 22, 23. Howell 
is like 21. So I think, that, I think he only did three years there. He only did three years there. And also people forget his last year, North Carolina, which was not great. Right. He had lost the previous year. He lost Daz Newsome and Diami Brown, his top two receivers and Javante Williams and Michael Carter's top two running backs. So he was playing mm-hmm. with a whole new cast. So, but that was a good team in during his freshman and sophomore year. They were, yeah. they were a solid, they were a solid squad. I mean, they were not going to people, beat comp- people compared team, him were... to Baker and that's what sunk him. Ooh, yeah. Because they look alike and they have the same similar body type and arm and all that. And mm-hmm. people just automatically assumed he'd be Baker and it was just a huge mistake. So yeah, he's, he's going to be a good one for sure. Uh, any other closing thoughts on tight ends or just any sleepers that you might have left in the bag that you're willing to share with anybody? My only last note is Tom, I'm going to fucking crush you this year. Um, you know, just gonna, I, I want revenge and I'm going to have it. Yeah. I, I beat you last year and that felt really good. Especially yeah. all the shit that you talked and you were in like emotional damage state after that. And it was just timeless for me. I like watching you plebes like bicker amongst yourselves as I sit in my championship. Relax. You won by a one hundredth of a point. Calm down. It was a magnificent one hundredth. Doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Vin Diesel taught me that. Okay. He also taught me the value of family. He taught me the value of family. Family. (laughs) I I don't have anything else. All right, guys. What do you say we get into picks and assholes of the week? Let's start with assholes. Sure. I feel like there's so many this week, it's hard to keep count. I'll, I'll, I'll start. I'm going to go with Silicon Valley Mega Funder, Adriason Horowitz. What a terrible name. So Yeah, it's terrible. So he's uh, apparently making uh, the single largest investment ever. And the person he's putting their money into is none other than Adam Newman. If you don't know, oh, is God. the found co-founder of WeWork. I heard about this one, yeah. And it's a stupid yeah. idea, too, isn't it? Yeah, the was- firm is going to invest roughly $350 million into the flow and a value in the startup around $1 billion. What What is the startup, by the way? Isn't it? Isn't it something ridiculous? It's some kind of scam, I'm sure. It's like it's like Airbnb with blockchain or something. Uh, yeah, so it's utilizing several thousand apartment units uh, Newman has acquired to help create a, quote, a branded product with consistent service and community features, whatever the fuck that means. So it's basically just real estate. Congratulations, you're building apartment buildings. Yeah. Oh, my fucking God. It's the cult yeah. of personality. That's how these people get funded. They're they're banking on the idea that because of the inability to, for people to buy homes, they're buying they're creating households rather than houses. So it's like low how oh. it's like basically like low income community housing, but they're going to charge like a million dollars probably I, for each. I can tell you what it, what this is exactly. It's like a high end dorm. Right. And so yeah. you're going to have you're going to have like your bedroom and then you're going to have like a communal bathroom and then there's going to be like a communal kitchen. And basically, you'll never want to stick anything in that fucking fridge because it'll be. And disgusting. I also, by the way, think this is also for work purposes too, a way of like being able to work from home inside your company's building, which sounds 
fucking horrible. I could see. So, like, when I was working for um, baseball and Disney and whatnot, um, traveling, I could see if these popped up all over in like big, you know, business hubs and stuff, those would be like, you would have a membership rented out and you'd have like these pods. And that way it would save a ton of money on hotels. Yeah. And so basically like they basically said that like, so he wrote a blog post, um, Andresen acknowledged the choppy history writing that Adam and the story of WeWork has been exhaustively chronicled, analyzed and fictionalized. Lies. And he added, all true. quote, sometimes accurately. So he apparently believes <laughs> a majority of what was said and yet is willing to give this guy for, what, $350 million, did I say? Uh, it's a lot of money. Yeah, $350 million into their flow. So I don't know what he's thinking because it sounds like a lot of money that you're never going to see again. So, uh, Yeah, it's WeWork 2.0. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be another scam. It's it's definitely another scam. Yeah, I guess I'll go. Yeah, let it ride. <laughs> um, my asshole is Rand Paul. Yeah, no, um, one. As as uh, the world loses its mind over the stop the siege of Mar-a-Lago. Rand Paul decided to be brave and stand up and make a point about repealing the Espionage Act. Because um, that's the problem. <laughs> yes. The, the problem to national security is that we, we don't enforce national security. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he sent out a tweet, um, and it was stating that the Espionage Act was abused from the beginning to jail dissenters of World War One. It is long past time to repeal this egregious affront to the First Amendment. I don't know how one thing like nuclear, like nuclear information. It's one thing when you're talking about like state secrets and nuclear information. And it's another thing when you're talking about, like, your right to free speech. I want to <sighs> so that we didn't talk about the Trump thing. And like, obviously, because like when it broke when we were recording last week, and I don't want to get too into it because a lot of it's still kind of coming coming out. There's been a large discussion about like what is ultimately declassified and the process. Some are now arguing that basically a president saying in his head it's declassified is good enough and that like they don't have to go through the process because they're the fucking president mm -mm. and i think it's such a dangerous precedent because look i don't know what he had maybe trump had nothing maybe he had stuff that was completely innocuous and they're using this as an opportunity to get him i don't know but ultimately we will figure out throughout the process if he gets charged or something like that but the reality is he can't just think that it was okay to just grab documents and then just put it in his fucking... The, the, the argument to say that something is declassified because someone who's not a security expert but was in charge in their mind of the whole world right. um, decided it's, it's okay is, is exactly what someone who has no understanding of security, national security, would think. Right. It's just a stupid fiction to go along with. Right. And 
we can't play into that because he's not a he doesn't understand jack shit about anything so like for him to make that point it's like cool but like there's a reason why you still had to get briefed by your four-star generals every yeah. fucking day is because you don't know any of this shit but it, it's also so <laughs> funny because like i you know he may and by, by the way Rand Paul may not be wrong in theory that the espionage act might be i i, I have problems with the espionage act but it's so funny that like you never brought this up until now when trump's in trouble uh, the the thing of the thing about it for like one from the right like they always consider everything that the left does as like a traitorous treasonous act yeah and it's like oh now like someone on your side actually committed fucking an act like or potentially we do not know yet but um it's like now you don't even want to hear the fucking argument like give me a fucking break and to to make the argument that it's it's a violation of first like first amendment freedoms i that's a such a slippery slope because there like i said there's a difference between nuclear like nuclear information sensitive information and disseminating that to potentially enemies and you're dissenting from from world war one I, I get there's a very big difference but you can't use one to justify the other because the severity of one's consequences are significantly uh more detrimental to national security than the other yeah i think he's just full of shit to be honest with you and again <laughs> there's there's things you can always comment on how laws are written specifically during wartime and how they're typically more conservative or more restrictive. But ultimately you didn't hear that this was something that, you know, was a violation of your constitutional right. When Hillary Clinton was getting grilled on Capitol Hill, you weren't hearing this when people were questioning Obama's loyalty as well. You weren't hearing this in a number of instances. And I, and I think that if anybody is going to be totally dishonest in how they're portraying things, it's Rand Paul and Lindsey Graham. And yeah. these are the two bigger offenders right now of getting like their whole fucking foot caught in their mouths when they say something and it comes back to bite them because the guy that they end up defending is the one who's putting them in these positions. And, you know, I just to go back to what you all were saying, like just because somebody who's the president can say like, these are declassified. There's a whole process in which that declassification happens. The, for the good only, reason. The for only, good reason. The only issue we're going to run into here is that if someone can make an argument in court about this, and if it gets pushed far enough, it's going to go to the Supreme court and guess who is going to overwhelmingly agree with whatever they say. It's the Supreme court. So yeah. We we are going to run into an issue here, but um, yeah, I, I, I look, we got to wait and see what he had, because if he had if there's no if we find out that he had serious information. Right. And if we find out that there was no process done for him to declassify this information, like he didn't submit anything, he didn't tell anybody anything, he just took it. That's a serious problem. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any way in which Democrats could come together and codify this so that it cannot be contested in you got, by the Supreme Court? You got six votes. Yeah, that's that's the question. You <laughs> well, you know what? Can nope. you get sixty votes right now with Republicans that want to get rid of the Trump brand? There's a lot of people that want to get rid of the Trump brand. I don't, I don't know, know if you have sixty. That's anybody, true. Anybody check in on Liz Cheney? Because last time I checked, she was going to get smoked tonight. Well, so. I think. 
if there's anywhere to find 60 votes, it's probably going to be in the Senate. You're not going to find anything close to like yeah. a majority or super majority in the House of Representatives. Uh, does it need a super majority in the House or does it need just a just a simple majority? Right. I, I, it'll get that in the House. But yeah, I'm actually more. I don't know what the Senate. I don't I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but uh, 60 votes is a lot to come by. Listen. Maybe Susan Collins, maybe Mitt Romney. You, may, you might you might get like 54, 55, but I don't think that you're getting 60. So yeah, there's gonna be a lot of hand wringing from Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, and then they're gonna vote, you know. Any any Republican is gonna be too scared. Any any Republican that's facing re-election and that is not a MAGA is gonna face is not going to cross him. Yeah. Because you're seeing you're seeing non-Trump Republicans getting smoked in the primaries. They're getting smoked. Is it okay? Hold on, hold on. Is it really getting smoked? Like, is Liz Cheney really getting smoked in Wyoming? He's down in a populate where there the population is under like so five hundred thousand. Like that's latest, not a smoking. The latest poll, that's, Liz Cheney's latest poll, had her down thirty points to a non-known Trump-backed Republican. It's like a Q 100. lady. It's a Q lady. She is Q. Yeah. So. And by the way, the primaries tonight, so we actually may have some information. Um, but everyone's expecting that they're she's gonna she's gonna be outed. She's like she's done. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean though is that like you see that like she was somebody who boldly crossed him and she, is gonna get and the, the best thing that she's gonna get out of it is losing by thirty points. She became the face of dissension amongst the ranks though she's gonna run somewhere else in a more friendly purple district and she'll probably win and she's gonna be back but i'm just saying that like in a trump district republicans are not backing anybody that's not endorsed by trump you're seeing some survive but it's barely i mean there's only two that i can think of right. and it's um uh, Brian Kemp and Brent Rathensberger were the only ones that have there won was anything. a couple people from primaries as well. I think like two people from primaries and like, but like not anybody like super big, but like yeah. and again, the margins were so thin. So it's going to be it's it's whether or not people actually want to cross them or not. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, though, I don't think Trump owns the, the courts. I think Mitch McConnell owns the courts. So it's going to be Mitch's will that really makes okay. that decision. Tom. Yeah, so my asshole of the week is actually going to be somebody that I shared with us in our Discord channel, and his name is Dalton Clodfelter. Now, <laughs> what a I know what an absolute what an absolute herb. But the problem is, is that he went after our queen, Addison Ray. Oh no! <laughs> so for those who listen to the show, Addison Ray is an Instagram megastar and tiktok megastar but she also starred in our pick of the year and he's all that now we can you know parse like the the merits of making this film but ultimately i don't think addison ray is a terrible human being and i don't think that she deserves the level of hate that she gets sometimes because ultimately she's making her money like this is this is her profession what is she getting hate for so um, this was reported by Right Wing Watch on Twitter. Christian fascist Dalton Clodfelter would like to see Addison Ray burned alive at the stake for wearing a blasphemous bikini. By the way, it looked like literally any bikini that I've ever seen in my very, life. Very, very normal reaction from the Christian right. 
Yeah. My by the way, this dude looks like he works in the porn section of the family fucking video. <laughs> and um you have to listen to his voice because he sounds like the kind of dude you just beat the shit out of in high school. Jesus. But um Dalton, if that is your real name, Claude Felter, you're my asshole of the week. You're a piece of shit. You can't you can't be the guy who's hoping that we go back to the 1600s and burn women at the stake and hope that people respect you. Um, what, what, what was the bikini wait. that she was wearing? It's literally like a bikini. But it, did it have white, like, why would he care about a bikini? Like, because they're Christian fascists. Like, um, like they watch The Handmaid's Tale like it's like a documentary. Wait, That's wait. A- his name is Dalton Claude Felcher. Claude like, Felter, C L O D F E L T E R. That would have been really funny if it was Claude Felcher. So that's weird. Why pick Addison Ray out of the bunch? Because she's famous and he's not. And he looks like he's got a box of dead birds under his bed. Dude, it looks <laughs> like it, it looks like he's trying so hard to grow a mustache. Oh, okay. Hold on. Oh, so, dude. Apparently. This makes more sense. She apparently, the bikini she was wearing was a Holy Trinity bikini. What does that mean? Oh, no. Uh, Oh, okay. So, wearing a white bikini with the words Father and Son written across the top. And And the bikini set, which includes bottom with words Holy Trinity, is... And apparently, it's a collaboration between Adidas and a clothing company, Praying. <laughs> so that's what she was wearing. Okay, so that makes more sense. Why, like Christian? Like, I was like, why would like he give a shit about a fucking like? There's a million why, bikinis. Why is he uh, blasting Addison Ray and not Nike and Prey or whoever? They yeah. Are? Fuck him, dude. Whatever. Fuck that guy. He's fucking yeah, oh. what a nerd. Like, just look at the picture and fucking like it like the rest of us. Fucking dickhead. Yeah, so he's my asshole of the week. Um, again, I think we've made enough fun of he's all that and the acting that was in that. But to Classic. do shit like that, like, listen to the video that Right Wing Watch posted of this dude. And it's like literally hoping she dies in a horrible fire and is tortured to death. And what a hunk of shit this dude is. It's It's just disappointing that this little sniveling fucks like his his rant was enough to get addison ray to delete the photo uh because of the criticism and the backlash that it caused that's kind of shit oh it's adidas and praying those are the two brands yeah there we go yeah my asshole there you go all right i'll start with picks um I'm going to go with a, a podcast called The Big Blue Banter. It's a uh, Giants podcast that I've been listening to. Real, I love the hosts, uh, Dan Schneier and Nick Filato. They, they don't, it's not really a, a more news-based. It's more analytical-based. They actually break down uh, play tape and everything like that. So uh, really, really well done. Two really good hosts. Very uh, A lot of good information. And, and like I actually have learned a lot about like stuff that I didn't even know uh, regarding the NFL. And like NFL offenses, uh, through listening to them, very good. If you're a Giants fan like me, I definitely recommend. Um, they do a lot of game tape breakdown. Uh, a lot more interesting now because of Brian Dable running the offense instead of fucking Joe Fudge. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I recommend giving it a listen. 
Very nice. Gato, who you got? Uh, so my pick of the week is going to be Blackbird um, on Apple TV, Apple Plus. Um, it is kind of like a psychological thriller. I'm only about two episodes in. Uh, it's inspired by actual events. This dude, Jimmy, goes into the Slammer for 10 years. Uh, he was he was like, he's a very likable drug dealer um, that ended up taking a federal charge for guns. So he gets a he gets a 10 year sentence. The FBI agents that had actually put him in jail offered him a deal, basically inform on um, an inmate at a different prison and get them some information. The inmate in question, his name is Larry. Um, and, (laughs) and Larry, a serial killer who has murdered 14 young girls. It's interesting because it's kind of a slow burn. Um, it keeps you thinking, keeps you guessing. I'm, I'm, I'm in a weird place because you follow the DA, you follow Jimmy, who's played by, uh, Taryn Egerton. It's got Mm -hmm. Ray Liotta in it. Um, Greg Kinnear, uh, not Basically. a lot of people that I've heard of outside of those three, Taryn, Kinnear, and Leota. But no, but yeah, it's it's kind of it's interesting because I think this is also Ray Liotta's last thing that he acted in. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you really wonder if he did it, if he didn't do it. You're kind of like in suspense, like they're trying to prove it and he's he's now getting mixed up in like the politics in this prison and he's he's got a lot of people on his back so the stakes are pretty high it's very life or death it's got me intrigued i'm gonna go watch it after this yeah it looks like a good show i was waiting for it to drop um for a while now there's also another um apple tv or apple plus show that i want to see too it's about the the hurricane in 2005 in new Orleans, about the that hospital. that's not my pick of the week, but I was flipping through some of the previews that they had on Apple. And I was like, this actually looks like a banger right here, dude. I I'll tell you what, man, anything Apple's putting out right now, I'm willing to watch. I don't know how they've come across like the special recipe or like the, the, the fucking calculations they've, they've come across to get, to get these fucking hits, but like I haven't watched anything that's disappointed me um, off their service. Uh, so my pick of the week is actually going to be a movie that I've seen a couple of times, but I was watching it again um, Saturday morning. The Nice Guys. Fucking love that movie. I watched this movie a couple of years ago when I was on vacation, and I watched it again a couple of days ago, and I forgot how funny this movie was, and just. The interesting combination of Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling in this movie, just it's a weird pairing, but it works and it's Dude, just hysterical. When Russell Crowe breaks Ryan Gosling's what is his hand, and then he takes the U <laughs> and the fucking sound that Ryan Gosling makes when he when his hand gets broken, I fucking die laughing every single time. One of the most underrated movies of the last few years, for yeah. sure. And my, my favorite part of the movie is right after that, when he walks out of the house and he meets and Russell Crowe's character meets Gosling's daughter yeah. and she offers him a yoo-hoo. And he's like, I haven't had one of these in like 30 years. And he's just like the <laughs> happy go lucky dude after he just broke this dude's arm. 
the, the fact that we never got a sequel out of that is criminal. You know, I was looking at this and it only grossed like $62 million out of a $50 million budget. And it's so strange because the reviews on it were so good. And I, I really think this is one of those movies that was kind of a victim of like what's trendy in Hollywood in terms of like what movies need to come out. And I know that I give superhero movies a world of shit, but I think this is a movie that was kind of a victim of that. So, so it's uh, Shane Black who did that. If you don't, if you're not familiar with Shane Black, he did Predator. He did Lethal Weapon. Um, I'm going to recommend to you, Tom. Last that, Action Hero, by the way. Yes, Last Action Hero. I'm going to recommend to you, Tom, if you're since you like Shane Black. Why? I don't know if you've ever seen it. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Um, it is a movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer before Iron Man. All that. It's a like a murder mystery type. Um, mm -hmm. it's not only fucking really like kind of has a nice mystery to it. It's fucking hilarious. So I recommend that to, uh, to give it a watch. It's really, really good. Nice. One of my favorites, uh, it, I think it came out like 2016 or yep. 17. Um, really, really good. And just, it deserve, I wanted to see more of them together and it just, we never got it. And I don't think it's, I think time has passed at this point, but. Yeah. I mean, it was just. It's just hysterical. Like, <laughs> there's so few movies that are able to just be that outlandish and that funny and that like captivating. And I, I think that movie just really hit it. So, if you get a chance this week or this weekend, go see or just tune into. I think it's on. I think it's on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, I yeah, think it's on it Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So go check it out and um, I just let us just know if you like it. And it's actually trending in the top 10 on Netflix right now. So I'm hoping that maybe pushes them to do a sequel. If nice. they, uh, it's got uh, an audience still. Yeah, but it'll probably be in Swedish or some shit. Probably. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, well, Tom, you want to take us out? Yeah. Well, that does it for the draft episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. We hope you all enjoyed it. And Hopefully we have not fucked up your fantasy draft or your potential fantasy team too much. If you're in our league, I hope, you know, you go 0 and 11. Um, but again, that does it for us here. If you want to follow the show on social media, you can do so on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to join our league, you're more than welcome to just DM us on one of those platforms. And lastly, we do this with the help of our fans. So if you could all do us a favor is, Give us a like and a subscribe on all of your favorite streaming platforms and pass this information on to your friends. And if you got any sleepers that we might have missed or uh, any good insight, please share with us. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to share with everybody else that listens to our podcast. So why don't you go ahead and uh, let us know on Twitter or Instagram or even by email. Absolutely. All right, folks. We'll see you next time. Bye. Okay, let's get me a rhythm! Follow me! And then he says, and I'm not kidding, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live.
jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! <laughs> suck it, Jack Sparrow. 